I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. This is episode 5. So, who do we have on the line tonight? First and foremost, I'm one of your five guests. One of your five hosts, not guests. We do have a guest tonight though, and we'll get to that. Uh, Fishing PA with Ryan Reed. So, who else do we have on the line here? We've got, let's see, Owen. Big O's Bucktails, Owen Seaman. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. We have, again, from the Great White North, Nick Fiesler. Good evening. Good evening. Hi, Nick. We also have Mr. Pennsylvania Monsters, the croc oh. man himself, Boo. Tom Banana. <laughs> Boo. They keep bringing him back every week. I don't know why. Boo. Don't you have Boo. some trout to be fishing for? I did today, actually. Oh, we're not going to talk about that. We also have Mr. Donnie Swing from Swink Outdoors. What's happening, everybody? All right. So super pumped about this episode tonight. We have our first guest on the Musky Hunks podcast. So we're excited. So Donnie, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and introduce our guest for tonight? All right. Well, I am very excited to introduce my good friend, Jeff Contreras of Just Keep Casting, the YouTube channel. Uh, Jeff is a, he was the first ever YouTube specific, musky specific rather, YouTube channel. And he's also the creator of the YouTube musky battle. Uh, Jeff has been musky fishing for a very long time. Jeff has a wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to bank yanking. So, we are really excited to get him on here tonight and talk some bank yanking. I know Tom's pumped up to ask him some questions. Maybe oh. Tom will finally learn how to catch a musky bigger than 46. Maybe. <laughs> One can hope. That's a nice fish. <laughs> That's the running joke around uh, here, Tom. Ado, I'm going to hand it over to Jeff, and uh, he can go ahead and introduce himself a little bit further if you like. Sure. I just, I just want to clarify first. YouTube, in terms of what Donnie said, musky fisherman from shore. That was the specificity. You didn't say from shore. You said musky oh, fisherman. <laughs> did I miss There's that? Little... <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. From shore. Yeah. I was the first guy exclusively doing the musky shore fishing and putting out most of my content doing that. But yeah, no, um, not even that that's really a big deal. I got into YouTube and Instagram and the whole social media game basically by accident. I had never planned and intended on doing it. It more so turned into something I want to do for fun as a hobby. And uh, I was just fortunate. Honestly, this, this podcast is a perfect example. I was just blessed to make connections and friends over the years. And one thing led to the next. And all of a sudden I had my channel and, you know, a few sponsorships showed up. And I mean, I'm kind of just enjoying the ride to be honest. Truthfully, I'm just a regular fisherman. I'm just a regular guy. I'm addicted to muskies. Obviously, I've, I've got a problem just like the rest of you guys. But, um, you know, I just I just wanted to have some fun with it, make some connections, make some friends. And here we are. Again, this is a prime example of why I started my channel and why I started Muskie Battle, which was literally just to meet people, make friends and, and honestly, to help out anybody else in the game 
that maybe isn't getting opportunities, isn't getting recognition. You know, it, it's it's the the fishing market is incredibly saturated, and there's a lot of solid dudes out there. Um, for me, it's not about money. I don't do this for a living, but there's a lot of solid guys out there and and gals. But there's a lot of good dudes that are really good sticks, and it's it's hard to find opportunities because there's so much competition. So I thought, you know what? If I can use my little platform because it's blessed me so much more than I expected. If I can help anybody else, whether they're a lure manufacturer, a YouTube channel, if they're a guide, whatever, I'm just like, let's go for it. The worst that can happen is nobody watches my videos, which already happens anyway. So we got a, a podcast here that I don't not sure we have any listeners or not yet, but we're we're hoping bringing you on is going to going to get a couple I'm in good company. We're getting there. We're getting there. So, Jeff, tell us like, okay, so we are all in the local, you know, the Western Pennsylvania. Most of us are in the Pittsburgh area, but Nick is obviously a little bit more north towards Erie. But, you know, we, we all fish the same watersheds for the, to, to, you know, for the most part. So where are you from? What do you, you know, where did you start musky fishing, you know, from? You know, I mean, obviously, it's not something you just like pick up a, pick up a rod and you go, you go no. do from the, from the shore. So what, you know, where are you from and like, how did you get started with it? Yeah. So I'm from Southeast Wisconsin, lived here my entire life, um, kind of in the Lake Geneva area. Uh, my uncle who I'm actually named after Jeff Hegeman is his name. He was a big time guide in the eighties and nineties. He's the one who ruined me. He's the one who introduced me to muskies when I was a teenager. I actually hooked my first muskie in northern Wisconsin um, on Big St. Germain Lake, which is a pretty well-known lake. But um, that that was my introduction to muskie fishing was northern Wisconsin, which is common for a lot of guys in the Midwest. Um, but when I actually got into it and I got serious about it, especially uh, more specifically shore fishing, I, I, I think it was my third year muskie fishing, and I had only caught like six muskies until that point. My first two years, I think each season I caught like three muskies. And I mean, to catch five muskies was like a huge goal of mine. So my third year, I had a good friend who was a walleye fisherman that introduced me to walleye fishing. And he knew what he was doing. I was clueless. He said, hey, I want to take you to this shore fishing spot for big walleye. So that's what he told me. So we go there. It was December. The season was winding down and 20 minutes in, he gets broken off and he looks at me with a smile and he goes, that was a muskie. And I'm like, there's muskies in this river. And he's like, that's why I brought you here. And so it was like a surprise. He's just a really good dude. He's a phenomenal angler. His name's T and uh, he's this Asian dude. And he's just a really good stick, solid guy, but he did it on purpose. And so that day I didn't have any of my muskie here. Okay. And I only had caught, like I said, maybe six muskies. So I was very inexperienced altogether with muskies and, and all my muskies I had caught at that point were in a boat. So I'm scrambling, losing my mind with my walleye gear. What can I stink and use to catch a muskie? I'm like, screw these walleye, dude. I just muskie brain took over and this is crazy. But my first bank muskie, my first shorefish shorefish and muskie was that day, it was December, it was, there was uh, snow on the ground, the bank of the river was iced up, like the first foot and a half was an ice shelf, and we were walking the shore, sight fishing him, he's telling me, he's like, dude, the water's so clear, you'll see him cruising, 
And does I Wisconsin to... have an open have a season? Like, what does it close like uh, December thirty first or something? Yeah. Yep. I fish until December thirty first almost every season. I've caught muskies as late as December twenty sixth from shore, and I'm usually exclusively only shore fishing the month of December. Um, I kind of stopped the boat fishing in November, but um, we were looking for muskies and. You know, when I finish this story, you'll you'll figure out why I got so addicted to shore fishing. So there was a bridge that was above the river, and he was on it, and he says, "Dude, there's a big one coming, Jeff." All the carp and everything took off when it came up. So I wanted to go and see it, and this really nice muskie's right in the center of the river on some sand, as clear as day. And I just said, "Screw it, I'm casting from up here because I can see this fish." And I'm used to sight fishing bass, so I'm like, "What? Why not?" So I bomb, I've got a walleye rod with 20 pound braid and I bomb this like three inch, just a, like an eighth ounce jig head with a three inch fake minnow. And I just gave that thing a couple pops off the sand. I saw the muskie's head turn and its gills flare and I set the hook and its head came up out of the water, head shaking, going nuts. And we didn't have a net because we were walleye fishing. So my buddy T runs into the river knee deep in December in his tennis shoes and pins it on a, a boulder and he says come get it come get it so i chuck my rod i run into the river in my tennis shoes and i gill it and its tail is slapping him literally and we're in the river losing our minds in december and freaking out and it was my pb at the time it was like a 25 pound muskie and i caught it on this walleye gear and so with me i've always been i i always fish pressured waters because of where i live and so trying to catch big fish, they're really smart and it's hard to trick them. So when I caught that muskie, the wheels just started turning and I was like, nothing's off limits. I'm going to walk miles and miles of shore to figure out where these fish are at and what it takes to get them to bite. And so that was my first experience ever river muskie fishing in my life. And you can imagine why I didn't stop after that. Yeah. No, that's a, that's such a, that's so such a cool story. Uh, and I, I can kind of relate because it wasn't my first muskie, but my first big pike was <clears throat> up in Canada, but I could like, I could see it and it was sight fishing to a degree. And, and I, I was using this like Rapala subwalk um, in, in that I had never used any type of a glide bait at the time, but I, I watched this pike stalk this bait and it was, you know, it, it just changed my entire you know, perception of fishing from, from that point forward. That's so cool that you were able to, you know, see that, that bait. I mean, the, the fish take the bait like that. So Tom, yeah, I, know, I saw cool. Tom, I saw Tom, you know, shaking his head when you were telling that story. Is that, uh, does that ring a bell or what? Oh yeah. I mean like getting in the river, getting dirty. Like that's, that's one of the things like bank fishing, you like can't be scared to get wet. Like, a little water is not going to kill you. So when I when he said that, there's there have been plenty of times where I've been out there knee deep in mud and out in the river at like in like just disgusting hours of the night and times of the year, just wrestling with musky. It's it's definitely fun. It gets wild. So Jeff, we have we have the three rivers here. Um, so you know, I would think that most bank yanking for muskies ta that Tom has done is river fishing. Yeah. Uh, is that what you're doing up there as well? Or is this in lakes or, or flowages? So primarily for me, I'm sticking to the rivers. Um, and that's preference only because 
river fish are generally more aggressive. It's just, it's, it's, I hate to say it this way. River fishing is not easy. Catching muskies from shore is not easy. The one I just told Donnie that I caught yesterday was insane. Hooking them, landing them, all of it can be difficult, but you know, fronts, weather, stuff like that just does not affect river fish as much. And these fish are always looking for that meal that's going to fly by in the current. And it's like now or never. So I'm preferential to, to river fishing from shore. I have no problem admitting that. However, I've caught them from shore on the lakes. You know, we've got the mad chain. You can most definitely catch them from shore there. I've done that. Um, Geneva, you know, there's, there's, there's multiple lakes in all throughout Southern Wisconsin and obviously even in Northern Wisconsin that um, I've done it and you can do it, but I spend more time most definitely on the rivers. Now your rivers, are they like, are they shallower, fast kind of rivers? Are they like deeper, slower, kind of big expansive rivers? Like what do you have going on out there? Yeah. So one river I have not <laughs> spent a lot of time on in the past, but I'm going to be in the future because of, you know, um, I might be moving soon, but also because I have a good friend that lives near the Wisconsin river, giant, big, deep river, you mm -hmm. know, it's just a massive body of water. And I have fished it. I've, I've hooked muskies there. Um, I love fishing the Wisconsin river, to be honest, it's a great fishery, but I stick more close to home because of the drive time. And so I've got about four rivers within an hour to two hour distance of where I live. Almost all of those rivers are very shallow rivers there. I, you know, honestly, I kind of consider them like really big creeks, yep. you know, they're, they're small water, they're skinny water. You can wade long stretches of it. You know, it's waist deep for, for miles sometimes. Um, and a lot of these rivers I'm fishing are very clean, clear water. The current it fluctuates like any river mm -hmm. right now. The fish I caught the other yesterday, the water was screaming, but that's because the water's up. They opened all the locks and they're pumping out water. But some days you go and there's barely a trickle because it's such a small, shallow river. So, yeah, that's kind of like us. We have a little bit of everything out here. I mean, you have like the three rivers. They're a lot bigger. I mean, you have barges running through those. And then we have a lot of smaller rivers. Like you said, they're almost just like a big creek. Like you could walk the entire way across a, hundred yard wide like stretch a river yep. i mean it's have a little bit of where nick up by where nick lives you know like you know <laughs> these small small tributaries like french creek uh that that will hold muskies that yeah, you know it's... you wouldn't you would never like you know say oh that's musky water you know what i mean like if you were driving through that area never for one second would anyone say oh let's stop here and fish for muskies but sure enough you 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 can if you know what you're doing you know, just one, important, one important thing to add for, you know, the three guys that listen to this podcast, just kidding. But, <laughs> but this is a good point. What you just brought up, this is something I stress all the time. And most of the time, guys think I'm crazy. But um, one, one river I left out real quick is the Fox River in Green Bay. I caught muskies there. I love fishing there. I've got friends that guide up there. But I don't go, I go there like once a year, but it gets pressured so hard. I actually lean towards going on the lake in the bay just to get away from the crowds. But the Fox River is also a lot of fun. But anyways, the point you just made though, you know, I've got a creek in my hometown. I mean, it is a creek. I mean, it is like 30 to 40 yards wide. You can wade it forever, you know, thigh deep. It's a creek. What I learned when I got into this, like I said, that first fish, it opened my eyes to 
muskies can be almost anywhere in, in shallow skinny water where you least expect it. It also opened my eyes to versatility in terms of I'm not afraid to fish any presentation style of bait, big, small, you name it. It just opened the box of limitless possibilities. And what it taught me was right away when I caught that muskie, I'm a thinker, I'm analytical. Sometimes I just can't shut my brain off, which I think is just, you know, a muskie fisherman personality trait or flaw, our wives probably think. But what I, what I realized was if I can find any bodies of water that connect, I don't care how skinny the channels, the rivers, the creeks are. If I can find a lake or a flowage or whatever that I know has muskies, either naturally or stocked, and I don't care if it's another county away, but there's a river that leaves that lake and eventually spills into another lake or flows through or just dumps into a bigger river, I'm telling you right now, I would go and fish it. And, and you guys, I can't tell you how many times, like this, this creek in my hometown, nobody ever thought there was muskies in there. And I was banging muskies in this little creek because a dam was at the end of a lake nearby and that dam floods almost every season. The water goes over the landmass that there's like a breakwater wall. The water goes over at least once a season. I mean, that's how bad it floods every year when, when, it, when we get a lot of rain and when they try to open up because the, the dam's so small it can't regulate all the water. So the water just starts going over the top. And so I knew I'm like, dude, that lake nearby has muskies. There's got to be muskies in this Creek. Mm. First time I went, I waited probably like a mile and a half and I saw like seven muskies cruising and I started catching them there. So I just wanted to stress that if you do your research, find the, you know, connect the dots basically. And if you have musky water nearby and it, and there's a dam that leaves that lake, or there's rivers that are connecting or channels or creeks, whatever. I don't care how, how shallow or small they are. Nine times out of 10, you may not have a large fishable population, but what you're going to have is fish that are not getting pressured. Mm -hmm. And you might run into maybe just a muskie, which is always cool, but sometimes you run into a giant. And, and where I got my PB, it was basically in a creek. So, you know. So that's what, especially with a lot of those, like if they are dammed above it, then, you know, I mean, they can't get back out They're They're kind of yeah. like hemmed in there. They're fishing a barrel, I guess. So yeah. that, that actually brings up two questions I would have about what, what your answer there. And one is that when you are typically bank yanking or you go out shore fishing, are you taking waders? Like you're actually waiting and not necessarily bank yanking, you know, there's a dip. I, I consider that to be a difference. You know, there's trout guys like Tom that, you know, will go out and wade, wade for fish where, you know, I don't, I you guess the you see musky, on the crocs. You see musky got musky fly guys with waders, but you don't see a lot of like, uh, you know, casters out there with waders. So you, you, you will typically take waders out. So I always have my waders on, but probably, Easily 90% of the muskies I've caught, I've caught from the bank, not in the water. And, and I know that may sound funny, but I always have my waders for two reasons. Number one, if I have to get some, if, if there's a spot, an area, I know I need to fish and I want to fish, but I can't get there unless I get in the water. So my waders are for travel or for covering ground to look for muskies. The second reason is sometimes to land fish, which is a, a topic mm -hmm. I thought about ahead of time. Um, you, you have to plan ahead and stage landing muskies on a river, especially with current. And so a lot of the times you have to improvise and no matter, I always stage everything. I stage my pliers, my net, 
I look at the area every time before I even throw my first cast. And I think of every hypothetical, what if he runs this way? What if he runs that way? What if it's a big one? And I mean, I'm talking hopping rocks, slipping, falling on my butt into the river, you name it. So I always have my waders on just in the event that I have to move with the fish to get a better landing area. But, but most of the time I am not in the water when I'm casting, if that makes sense. I'm on a rock, it, I'm on sand, I'm on shore, I'm banking. It makes that, total, it, it makes total sense. And it, 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 and that brings me to the second part of my question, which was if you are waiting consistently and in like, when you go out and you're expecting that, how do you take a, a, a musky size net with you? Well, first of all, you have to be stubborn and you have to be an idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tom, Tom's Tom Tom fits that category. Yeah, yep, check, check mark. <laughs> Tom Tom looks like Dexter laying out his tools like before. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, my kill, Nick calls it my kill room. <laughs> oh no no no! The best thing about Tom is that Tom has right place. Tom has a, a whole like slew of photographs of him just posing to make sure he yeah. has his his tripod in the right area. So like you said, like, Jeff, so you'll stage. <laughs> yeah, you'll stage yes. everything. So, I staged my tripod. So I'll, I'll actually if I think I'm going to catch a fish, I'll actually set my timer and go stand in front of the camera and like hold my hands up as if I were holding a muskie. And then I, then I, like, when I do get a muskie, I don't have to worry. Like, is it in the frame? Do I have to adjust? Hey, like, it's ready to that go. That picture's trash. The muskie police are coming for you. So you got to yep. have the right angles. You got to make sure yep. it's going to fit in the frame. Yep. That's the uh, only thing he forgets true, to man. do is measure. That's yep. a common thing, though. That's, I know a lot of, I know a lot of uh, YouTubers, particularly there's one in our area, um, you know, SG Angling, he does that as well. I know I've watched some of his videos and, and Tom, he stages his camera. That's one of the most important things, aspects of it. Yep. That's what, you know, yeah. I mean, if you're making content, you gotta be, gotta be thinking ahead. It's all well, about the subs, bro. That's all about them views, baby. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but on a serious note though, and I, I'm not, I do the same stuff, but more so from a technical, from a fishing standpoint, you know, cameras are not, you guys know, I mean, even in a boat, I mean, there's so much that goes into, not only trying to give yourself opportunities to catch a fish, landing it, handling it the right way so it can swim off strong. I mean, in a boat, you're, you're constantly thinking about all these different factors that have to do with catching fish and releasing fish successfully. So then you throw in current, uneven uh, you know, ground, you're walking on slippery boulders. So really, I mean, I say it from a safety standpoint for the angler, but also for the fish. And in, in, in regards to your question, you know, yeah, most of the time I look like a complete idiot because, you know, I, I am stubborn and I want to do everything right. I don't want to lose a fish because I had a trash net or no net. I don't want to hurt a fish because I had a trash net or no net or I didn't have my pliers. And because I am very much, I'm the type of angler that stresses versatility all the time. I'm always telling guys, you should have confidence baits and go with your confidence stuff. Don't ever be afraid to stick with what has worked. However, so many guys get trapped in that way of thinking, and I'm convinced they miss so many opportunities of catching fish because they're not versatile at all. And so for me, I know I don't need 40 lures to catch a fish, but I know when I'm sight fishing, sometimes I literally pick the lure in advance and I'm like, she won't. And honestly, you guys, the fish I caught yesterday, my buddy was there. He's a lure maker. He witnessed the whole thing. I will literally say, dude, I start snapping my finger. She'll go on this. And I'll go into my box and that's why I bring all my gear because if I'm in a situation where I need that one lure 
with that is I know in certain situations has worked before. If I leave it in my van or my truck and I got to hike all the way back to the river, I'm not doing it. I'm not going all the way back there to get a lure. It's too much work. So I'd rather do the work up front. I bring my bag over my shoulder. I bring my net. I bring my bump board. And I usually have two rods. I have my musky rod, like my heavy duty for bigger baits. And then I have my finesse rod. So I, it's a workout, but, and this is going to sound hilarious, but I've done it enough to where it's like training. And now I have the strength and the endurance. It's like nothing to me. You know, I've this done might it sound so stupid, but like, do you have like a backpack or something that like could, would fit both rods and you can like kind of, so you know, my not be carrying those with your hands. Yeah. So my system, and again, you know, musky fishing are gluttons for punishment. We just love destroying our bodies to, to usually not catch a fish. It's the hope of catching one that makes us do it. Mm-hmm, but it's true. I, I get, I get a back. I've used different backpacks and I like old school, like high school backpacks, but you can't fit enough in them. You just can't like, you're always leaving stuff behind. And so I'm a duffel bag, like basketball bag guy for life. Cause you can put the big strap over with a nice pad and it's and it's so that rides on my back and my, my, the rim of my net and my bumper board handle they, they, they fit together. So in my one hand, I have my bump board and my net and my other hand, I, I hold the actual rods, not the butt of the rod, but the actual, you know, ahead of the reel. And I just have two reels in one hand, the bump in my net and the other in my backpack over my, you know, over my shoulder, basically. And I mean, I'm just off to the races. Do you, do you use like a, a full, like, you know, normal bump board or do you use some type of like a, a tape measuring, you know, or, or is it like a real, you know, musky bumper? So for a number of years, I would bring tape and my, my rule was I, I would measure them on like a flat surface if I could like grass or even on sand in the water. And my rule was I would either not pinch the tail or I would, I would subtract like a half an inch to an inch because with a, a tape, as much as you try your best, there's usually somewhere in there, there's like a kink or a bend or something. But recently right around actually, the 46 inch mark, you know, on <laughs> Tom, yeah. what's going on there. So <laughs> So, but my buddy who makes lures, he actually surprised me and he made me a bump. So yeah, now I take a legit bump board. It's a nice one. I mean, it's just like all the other ones you guys have seen or used in your boats. Um, and, and he made it because he knows I shore fish. It's actually relatively light. It's, it's a little bit more compact. It's not as wide for like, you know, if you had like a 50 plus with like a 25 inch girth, it's not going to fit on there. It's belly's going to be hanging off, um, but it gets the job. And there's not too many fish like that down by me anyway. So <laughs> Right. You were saying about nets for nets. I don't know. I don't know what kind you use, but I really like it's I think it's called like power stove by Frabel. It's the one telescopes and then it folds up like a taco. Yeah, I could literally I could put like a plano or two in that I could put what like Nick says my Dexter kid I could put it inside the net and fold it up like a briefcase and then that actually acts as like a duffel bag for me. It's that's a good point because there's not a lot of other brands that make that folding that, yeah like the double folding. big a big like, musky net that, that folds as well. Yeah. I, I I can't think of any because when I was looking at buying my Frable like I was trying to find something for that exact reason you know but yeah it, and I, mean, know, I don't think of, anyone else makes one. No. And I mean, you're hiking through the brush and going through all like this nasty shit and stuff. And like having that net folded up, it's so nice. Like you're not swinging around a big basket. You don't have like a 70 inch net handle sticking up in the air. Like it, it folds down so nicely and you literally can use it as like a little briefcase to carry extra stuff. I think you, I think you really have to just get creative. I mean, if you, if you can just step back, think about what you need and how much you want to bring. And even with like your lure selection, like I don't bring most of my lures, 
but I'm very specific and intentional with each type and design and style and size. Like I, if I have a rule, like if I don't have a reason, a legitimate reason that day on that body of water to bring a bait, I'm leaving it. So whether it's the net that like he, he just brought up a great point, the type of net, mm-hmm. whether it's a bump board or not, whether it's uh, one or two lure boxes or more, you just have to get creative and figure out exactly why am I bringing this and why do I need it? And if you need it, you just got to find a way to get it there. You know, don't, I don't think you should be dangerous and take risks, you know, bringing too much crap and, and drown or something. Um, but you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And, and I just made up my mind when I got into this, I didn't want any excuses for myself and I didn't want to play the blame game of, Oh, well, if I had done it this way or had that have my big net, or if I'd had that lure, you know, I don't like making excuses. If I'm there and I get an opportunity to catch a fish, I want to make sure I capitalize because it's so hard to catch them anyways. Yep. Got to put them in the boat, right? I, I have a question and this is, uh, so my, my shore fishing has been somewhat limited to smaller creeks. Like you, you kind of alluded to a little bit ago and, and really one of the biggest tactics that I, that I use is primarily in the winters when I'm doing this, I like to downsize baits and I kind of like to go to that almost like that bass style jerk bait. You know, that's one of my, that's kind of one of the things that guys, you know, talk to me a lot and you'll hear guys like Tom making fun of me for, for pitching an ugly stick with 50 pound braid and, you know, 45 pound leaders and, and the light tackle, the light gear. And I've been doing this in the creeks and I've had some success doing it. But my question for you is, you know, when you're looking at some of these bodies of water, like if I were to go down to say like the Allegheny River here in Pennsylvania, you know, that can be somewhat like daunting for me to stand there and look at a spot you know somebody that doesn't really fish current a lot i'm like i'm looking at this river like how am i gonna how am i gonna get this done smaller creeks not not so scary bigger rivers a little (laughs) scary for me so when you're looking at lure selection particularly the one thing i found is like losing a lot of baits when you're doing this you know (laughs) what like what do you when you when you approach a spot like how do you select your baits? Like, what do you, is it a specific time of year? You like, you know, bucktails or, you know, how, how are you looking at bait selection? Okay. So you're opening up like a can yeah. of worms and you're trying, to get <laughs> secrets. you're trying to get all my secrets, but I don't know how much time we have, but this is, this is something I don't know how else to say it. I'm very passionate about this topic. Okay. So time of year does matter for sure. Without question. I, I use small stuff like you would not believe I, I you want to hear some of my craziest river musky stories from the bank. You guys won't even believe me probably to be honest, but I have caught muskies like crazy on really ultra, ultra light gear, small lures certain times a year. And, and what I was gonna say, the second thing though, aside from time of year, it's fish behavior. Certain times a year, I'll be thinking ahead of time. This is usually when they're going on smaller stuff. Okay. But I'll go and I'll start with bigger or traditional baits. Why? Because if I'm using a bigger, stronger, traditional musky rod, if I've got 80 pound braid, if I'm fishing current, if I've got a bigger lure that I can just rip the crap out of it and set the hooks as hard as I want to, I want to land that fish successfully and as quick as possible. So I always go to a spot willing to test out what I would call traditional musky gear and lures. Okay. But if I get a follow, I'm watching that fish's behavior. If it's lazy or if I, my rule usually river fishing is if I go an hour or so and I don't have a follow, 
it's either not happening that day because river fish are usually pretty aggressive or I need to downsize. So it's for me to answer your question short in a short way. Yes, time of year does play a big role, but it's more so year round the fish behavior. If I get one or like, and again, I know this sounds funny, but it's just ironic. I told Donnie, I sent him the picture. I went fishing for the first time yesterday on my home waters from shore since the muskie battle, which was a month and a half ago. I don't even know, but I finally got out and I had three follows and I kept switching and I kept telling my buddy, they're going to go. I have to figure out what they exactly what they're looking for. And so a lot of times it's the behavior that I'm seeing or even the lack thereof. If I don't see a fish for an hour to two, I can't tell you how many times I've got a series I did like three years ago. If you go look it up, um, it's, it's five videos, I think, because that's how many muskies I caught. I caught like, I don't know, 11 to 12 muskies in the series in like a two or three week period. And it's called going small in the fall. You can go watch it. I mean, this is, and, and, and I'm telling you guys, I don't want to dive into this too much because I don't really care, but I was doing this stuff on YouTube before anybody was on purpose. And I got a video, one of those, I think it's like the episode two. I was using you guys like a, like a hair jig, like a quarter ounce, like a walleye hair jig, single hook. And I caught three muskies in 30 minutes and I lost a fourth. And that day I wasn't seeing anything at all. And I was getting frustrated. So I pulled out this, I said, screw it. I'm getting stupid. And I went small. And in 30 minutes I hooked four. So fish behavior is huge, but yes, time of year also is a factor that I always consider. That's awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. Thank you for that. That's really, really interesting. Interesting. Well, Nick, do you have any questions for Jeff? Uh, I'll hop um, in with one. I thought. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know Nick. I thought <laughs> Nick had said he had he had like put some questions together. So yeah. Well, Nick dropped the ball this week. It's okay. He, some <laughs> wow. someone had someone else had to drop. The Somebody balls. other than Tom dropping a ball. I came. I came prepared with. Can you hear the paper with some questions? <laughs> so I heard a lot of pages flipping. How long do we have you, Jeff? Oh, however long you want, Bonnie. Down <laughs> road. You guys, I'm down for whatever, but it, it's up to you guys. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut, Donnie. You know I. <laughs> No, Jeff, what I was thinking was you were saying you're on here for you to keep your mouth shut. I got some stories that you all probably need to hear, but let him ask his question first. Tom, go ahead, man. Yeah, I was just when when you were saying you were one of the first people to like do the whole bank fishing thing on YouTube. It made me think, did you initially see any like backlash with that in your area? Like, did you have people trying to like jack your spots and the people getting angry with you? And so I got to. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm the type of guy I share information. I take people like one of my things that I you'll see if you watch my channel enough. I constantly take all sorts of people, work friends, family mm. friends, strangers. I mean, legit. I legitimately enjoy helping people catch fish, especially either bigger fish if they've never caught a big fish of any species. But obviously, with muskies, most people have never even caught one. Mm. So I genuinely enjoy helping somebody accomplish that. And so I'm very friendly. I'm very sociable. I'm not competitive. Like I, I just don't, that's just not how I do things. And so it was kind of discouraging. Yes. Immediately. A lot of people were, some guys were upset, but more, more than that, more than people being ugly at first, 
what it really was was, and this is the, I'm going to give you one story and I could tell you so many, but this just, this just hits the nail on the head in terms of what I had to experience. I had two guys, local guys that I grew up with. I've known my whole life and I love them. I, I, I love these guys. I have no hard feelings, but one day I ran into one of them and he comes up to me and he's snapping on me saying, dude, where the heck are you catching these muskies from shore? And he's like angry about it. And I'm like, <laughs> and right away, that's your first warning sign. Probably should never show this guy my spots or take him. You know, he's yeah. probably going to kill them all. And he's going to tell the whole world. So, so I am selective with who I tell, but I've taken a lot of people to my honey holes because I want them to enjoy it. You know, yeah. and this guy is like mad about it. And I grew up, I know this, he, he's older than me. He's known me since I was a baby. Okay. He's friends with my, my older brother and my, and my older sister. And he literally takes out his phone. He's like waving it. And he's like, <laughs> this story gets me every time. He's, he names this other friend of ours. He says, me and so-and-so drove around for over eight hours all over. And he named my county I'm from, our home county in Wisconsin. He's like, we were looking at every one of your pictures, stopping at every river, every creek, every shore spot we could find. And none of them matched up. And I'm sitting here like, do I need to be fear in fear of my life? Like, this is like Walker. And, and guys would get mad at me and they would say stuff like, because I staged my pictures on purpose. And guys would be like, what, did you catch that in the woods? You know, did you catch that by behind them trees in the grass? Because half the time you can't even see water in my pictures. Yeah. Because, because this is how guys are. I'll find, I'll literally look around before I pick up a fish. And I'm like, okay, that looks like I... I'm in the middle of some forest and I'm two miles away from any lake or river. They're never going to know where the heck I'm at, yeah. you know? So, so, and I'm right there by the water, but it's just all about positioning. But I had this guy tell me to my face, he drove around for an entire Saturday trying to figure out where I was. And so as time went on, people got ugly about it. Guys got rude and just nasty, which I expected. But early on, it was that competitiveness of guys wanted to know where I was catching my fish. Yeah. They weren't very, they weren't very friendly about it, you know. I would imagine. That's how I got my nickname, Spot Burning PA. Yeah, Spot Burning PA with Ryan Reed. I understand that. (laughs) And I don't even, I'm not even a good fisherman. And people still beat me up. Well, I have a lot of friends, like, on the other side of the fence, like you said. They're those angry type that are like, oh, you do, like, YouTube's the death of fishing. I hate YouTube and all this stuff. And I'm like honestly a lot of the places that i'm fishing i'm confident like it sounds like kind of like like douchey but like there's places where i fish that i've spent so long like figuring these fish out i'm confident that like i could show you the spot show you what i'm using and like you probably still wouldn't catch a fish there right and i think that happens a lot like you you get like a confidence where you're like all right well i'll I'll just let him see it like it you know it doesn't really matter that much like when you put in that legwork and that time and you know those fish that well it's you can't just watch a video and pick that up, you know, like, right. Yeah. Experience, experience (laughs) is going to trump all the only, I shouldn't say the only, but I do critique and, and uh, complain about YouTube and social media sometimes myself, because I see the ugly side of it. And and one drawback I have noticed, like when I got into muskie fishing, I had an uncle, I was fortunate, you know, I was kind of spoiled. I had an uncle who was, you know, in his day, and I'm, this is not an exaggeration. I mean, you, he, he was on TV shows. He was on magazine covers, all that stuff. But he was like your, you know, like your Hammernick or, you know, your, uh, I don't know, uh, Holbert or whatever. You know, he was one of those big name guys that was winning tournaments, et cetera. 
So fortunately, I was blessed that that's who introduced me. But even aside from him, he didn't actually teach me how to musky fish. He introduced me to it and he gave me the bug. But really, it was regular local guys on my home turf. And then a guy I met from Minnesota. These guys took me fishing and invested in me and taught me hands on. One of my concerns that I've noticed, one of the drawbacks to the YouTube game and social media is that that step is being completely skipped. And, you know, it really is just, I saw this guy, I saw this video, heck yeah, bro, let's go get a, you know, a, let's go get a name brand rod and let's get the lures they were using and let's mm -hmm. just go fish this water. And I think more power to them. I'm excited for those, those newbies. I want them to be excited and catch a fish. But the problem is YouTube is their mentor, so to speak. Yeah. And they're not getting hands-on you know, experience with a real mentor in person. Cause there's a difference in my opinion, there's a huge mm -hmm. difference. And I think this is where you see some of the drawback. I don't want to exaggerate, but you see a lot, uh, you see more fish dying. You see more inexperienced anglers. You just, you have problems and it's, it's a, a, a byproduct of the social media YouTube game. And it's not really much you can do about it, but I try to emphasize, yo, either come fishing with me if I have time or find a guy where you're from mm -hmm. just attach to that guy and learn in person because that experience is to me the biggest difference maker yeah i feel like that's a double-edged sword too because we i mean social media and, and youtube in particular can kind of grow the sport of musky fishing we all know that like you, you know i mean you said and i i agree with you completely though you know that is a huge element that's missing and that's that's why we're seeing you know exactly what we're seeing and and i think that's also social media has a tendency where you get you know a little bit of uh i want to say chest thumping mm -hmm. and, and and that's a whole nother discussion but one thing i will you know jeff just from me watching your videos i i will say that you know i i really like what you're doing you know i respect you a lot for the way you approach every day with the videos and you know the way you fish and convey information i mean you're doing everything the right way, you know, and I'm sure you hear that a lot, but you know, that's, that's such a huge deal. You know, guys, there's a lot of guys that, that try to do this and I'm sure they look up to the way you're, you're approaching this thing and doing it. And, you know, I think, I think that's a pretty cool aspect and that's, that really is like one of those shining moments and shining things about social media, you know, when it's done, when it's done right. Yeah. And I, you know what, I, I just want to respond to that real quick. And if anyone wants to chime in or ask a question, we can keep going with bank fishing, but you know, number one, there's some good guys out there. I mean, there are, I mean, my, my thing is I always say you got to go through like 20 to 25 turds before you find a solid guy, mm -hmm. but in the YouTube game or in the, in the, in the guide game, the lure game, whatever, there's some good guys out there. And I think sometimes that's lost because you see so much drama and ugliness Mm -hmm. But I, what you just said, it's very encouraging. I appreciate that, man. Seriously, that means that means more to me. Like to hear somebody say, you know, you know, Jeff, you hand yourself with integrity or whatever, or you try to do things the right way. That means way more to me than you saying, oh, wow, Jeff, that was a big muskie. Awesome. Like, I don't really care anybody. And, and here's what this is like a kind of a cheesy saying I have. And I've said it for years, but I mean it. I say it all the time. Anybody can catch a big fish, but few have the big character to go with it. And so for me, it's like, I know, I know hundreds, if not thousands of guys that can put up a pick of some monster fish and it's awesome. It's a great catch, but it's very rare to find guys in this game 
I feel that have character and, mm-hmm. and in a sense, the fishing or the success doesn't ruin who they are as a person. And so for me, it's like, I'd rather kick it with some guy that's only caught 10 muskies and his biggest is a 38, but he's an honest, humble, real dude. than some guy who's, I hate to say it, but he's an arrogant prick because he's caught 50 over 50. It's like, bro, congratulations. There's another guy just like you somewhere else. You're a dime a dozen, but I, I am encouraged by, and I respect guys that try to do things with some level of character and integrity. So I just wanted to say that because your comments, that means a lot to me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, I think all of us feel the same way about that when you're doing it right, you know, and you, and you're humble, you know, like you are, you know, it's, it makes these, these conversations, first of all, a lot more fun and the information is meaningful and, you know, and guys get, when you're willing to teach and, guys get a lot more out of it you know so and honestly honestly in my opinion it speaks to really why we've even started this podcast to begin with i mean Mm -hmm. this is only our fifth episode i mean jeff you probably have i mean i don't even know how many episodes you have of your your youtube channel but you know we're just getting started but the reason why we decided to kind of do this is because we all have that similar outlook where we're not we're not chest bump, chest thumping, you know, we're not, you know, out here trying to say we're the best at, I mean, shit. I think I caught like two muskies all, all year. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, but I love it. I want to talk about it. I think I can, you know, I, I think it's worth talking about just because you don't catch a hundred muskies a year. Doesn't mean that, you know, your, your voice or, you know, you, you know, your opinion is, is irrelevant because there's a lot of guys out there in that exact situation who aren't catching 50 to hundred muskies a year that are dying to catch one to five muskies a year. And they want to know how, how guys like that analyze things so that maybe they can catch one to five muskies this, this next year. I really think that that that's incredibly important here that we are not guys that catch. Well, I mean, Nick, maybe Nick catches <laughs> maybe like 50 a year. Who knows? Nice. But you know, you, you get my yeah. point. Like it's, this is, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Well, well, I would just say you guys just stay that way. Just don't ruin it. I, I, you'll hear me. Donnie knows. Donnie knows. I'm not afraid to tell it like it is. I'm respectful, but like, just stay, just stay this way, you guys, because we need, whether or not I do this forever or not, it doesn't matter. Like just, just stay real, stay humble, stay genuine. Because this, the sport needs more of this. We've got plenty of the other stuff, and this is becoming more and more rare. And, you know, truthfully, when I started Just Keep, why I started Just Keep Casting, and that eventually fed into Muskie Battle, because they're basically one and one the same, the motivation behind them. But when I got introduced to muskie fishing in the 90s, when my uncle took me to northern Wisconsin, my first experience, and you got to realize in the 90s, this is before social media and internet had taken off, okay? When I went up to the first time, complete strangers in the cabin next to us, but every day at the end of the fishing day, everyone on shore and the cabins are coming into each other's cabins. They're, we're going to each other's docks, and they're like, man, we moved eight on this bucktail today. Throwing it in our boat, give it, you know, tell my uncle, give that one to your, to your nephew, let him use it tomorrow for me. And sitting down around the fire and everyone sharing what they caught, what worked, what didn't, where, like literally where they were moving them. And, and more than that, though, it wasn't just the sharing of fishing information that stuck with me because I got introduced to muskies, but I didn't come back for a while because I just, it took me a while to get into it for real, to take it seriously. But that first experience, it wasn't just the fishing knowledge or catching muskies. 
I was blown away by the community and the friendship and the positivity and the support, even amongst complete strangers. The musky fishing somehow like magically brought all of us together and we were, we were cool with each other and we wanted to help each other. So I leave the sport and I don't even touch a musky rod for years. Well, then I come back, social media's here, you know, it's an, and I didn't know this. I'm well, and I was totally oblivious to any of this because I'm kind of old school. I'm just, I'm an old school type of guy. So I get into musky fishing and I'm expecting that community vibe I felt in the nineties. And I'm like, yeah, you know, everyone's going to be cool and friendly and we're going to help each other catch muskies. And boy, was I wrong. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. When I started to see the egos, you know, just people being rude and just being unkind and ugly about a fish, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And I had zero experience editing, filming. I, I still have no idea what I'm doing, to be honest. I don't know anything about the YouTube game. I'm a novice when it comes to the tech and social media, but I'm the type of person I'm just like, screw it. I don't agree with what's happening on a large scale. I don't like this. This is ugly. This is not what I was introduced as a kid. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do my best. And all I wanted to do was to say, even if it was just 10 to 15 guys that followed my channel, I wanted to show some guys, you can still do it the right way. You don't have to be that way. We can be cool. We can be humble. We can be friendly. We can share help. And so really, you guys, honestly, that I, I almost started just keep casting is almost like a stick it to the man type of deal where I was like, screw the drama. Even if I'm nobody and I never go anywhere, at least 12 to 15 of us can keep it real and be, be, be nice about it and be respectful about it. You know? So I that's think, what motivated me. I think that's just awesome because that's, I, I feel very similar. It just, in I, I, Tom, I know Tom and I've had this conversation just in terms of, cause Tom's a marketing guy, uh, you know, and graphic design guy, just in terms of how much of the musky world is like focused on this super aggressive, like, you know, bright green, like the Mountain Dew, you know, like the, the monster, like the skulls, like everything with, with, you know, death and anarchy and geez, it's like, my gosh, like I'm, I'm trying to relax for God's sake. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to relax and chill. Like I don't need somebody like telling me how I'm doing everything wrong and how I'm an idiot and how I'm, you know, all these people super aggressive because they're better than me and like, they, they have a bigger boat and a bigger engine. It's like, wow, man, there's so much testosterone going on in this game. It's almost hard to, to like stomach it at times. And I'm, I, I really I do think that, you know, I, I think that's part of what our kind of aura, you know, or, you know, the karma we're supposed to, we're trying to give out is not that aggressive thing is, is kind of like, Hey, we are very much the every guy and yeah, we enjoy doing this, but I mean, it's, I, I've, I've loved talking to you about this because you're, you, you seem to epitomize what I'm, you know, what I think of if like, if I wanted to go fish with a musky guy, I'd like a hundred times go want to spend five hours with you as opposed to some dude who's going to, you know, show up in a muscle shirt and tell me how, how, how <laughs> stupid I am because I wanted to throw this bait. You should have thrown the two like, pounder instead of the pound. It's like, no, the double pounder. Forget that. Where's the thick, where's the three pounder and the six blades at? <laughs> right, yeah. right. I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw something bigger. Well, you know, there, there's something to be said, though, and this is where, you know, 
my, if any of my good friends, my really good friends, guys that have participated in the battle, guys that have known me for years, you know, guys like uh, McLean Muskies, I'm sure some of you guys know McLean, he's only sticking giants. And they've seen this firsthand in person. Like sometimes I think people mistake like kindness or just being respectful or, you know, um, chill, you know, not like you got an IV of monster in you 24 <laughs> seven. I think guys mistake that for weakness. And all of a sudden the saying I've heard over the years is you're, you're not hardcore, you know, you're not a musky addict. And I'm like, whoa, 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 homie, like slow your roll, dude. You don't know me. And what bothers me is it's like, I'm competitive is all get out. Like, I don't have any problem admitting that, but I'm competitive with myself. Like if I went fishing with any of y'all, I would want you guys, especially if you're on my turf, I would want you guys to catch a fish and I'm going to be praying it's your PB. Cause I'd freaking do a backflip. If I knew how into the lake, I'd be like going off the walls. Agreed. But when I'm out fishing, especially when I'm like solo fishing from the bank, I am acting like I'm competing for like, you know, a championship or something. Every time I'm so driven, like, can I get it done today? Can I get one to go? Number one, but number two, can I get a big one to go? But it's always reflective. It's like, I'm competitive with getting better, learning more, becoming a better angler and, and you know, kind of cracking the code. But when it comes to other anglers, I have zero competition. I don't have ego in the sense of like, I want to be better than you. It's like, I want you to be better, number one. And if I can help you, that's awesome. But dude, keeping it real, if y'all can help me and throw me some tips, I'll take it. <laughs> right. yep. I will gladly let, I'll gladly be the dumb student if you can teach me something I don't know. I have no problem doing that. And so it bothers me because, and it's not everybody and it's not always, but the musky community has kind of projected this on most guys that you have to be this hardcore like idiot. Yes. And I'm like, dude, just because I'm nice, it don't mean that I'm a pushover and that I'm not competitive. And if you want to be nasty and be ugly, I'm not going to use maybe the vocabulary you use, but I'm not going to back down either. And it just, it frustrates me because I think musky fishing by nature is competitive. And that's part of the, the challenge of it is what drives us. So I don't shy away from that. And I think you should be driven. I think you, sh I think it is an addiction. I think sometimes you lose your mind over this fish, but I think we're unbalanced. That's, I guess the best way to put it. I think overall the musky community in this regard is very unbalanced. And so I'm just like, yo, can we chill a little bit? And truth be told, I think you would teach other anglers way more if you'd calm down and be a little more patient with Ew. the learners and the listeners, mm, if you explain things, you know, it's just, you know, I, for, for, for my whole life, you know, the, my adult life, even my teenage years, really most of my jobs has been in customer service and training others. And I've been a pastor. I've been in the ministry since I was 17 years old, almost 20 years now, my whole life, my life's work, quote unquote, I, my wife and I started a boys and girls club. My life's work has been trying to help people get there in some way, shape or form, trying to teach them, trying to coach them, trying to guide them to success. And so when I see this in the musky community, I'm like, a lot of it's ego, a lot of it's pride, a lot of it's because guys don't care. But a lot of it is not helping either. I'm just like, you are not really making a difference, even for the sport you say you love. And I just think the approach over the years has gotten worse. And I'm trying to be nice right now. I, I hope I sound 
I don't want the musky <laughs> coming into your podcast. No, I, musky, I don't think anybody no, in the musky police is listening to our podcast. Go ahead, Donnie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Go ahead, Donnie. I agree with you completely, Jeff. And I mean, you're obviously, like you said, you and I had got to talk a lot, but uh, I, I feel like this is probably, unless anybody has any uh, bank yanking related questions I do. Uh, left for Jeff, I kind of feel like we're right at a good spot where we can kind of segue into the musky battle because I know talking to you on the drive to the musky battle that that's what, what we're talking about right now is kind of what led you into coming up with the whole musky battle to begin with and, and how you kind of wanted to, to do this and, and get together guys that are, you know, trying to do the right things and, 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 and teach and, and learn and, and the camaraderie aspect and all that. So, uh, I, it just seems like this could be a good time to kind of talk about that and like how you came up with that idea to begin with. And, and like, you know, yeah, I think, I think we should, I think it's smart, Donnie, just to kind of stay with this momentum, but I will say I, I if we have a little, if we can sneak a little time in before we wrap it up about bank fishing, I, I would be glad to do a few more questions. And even I do have a few quick stories I want to share because it's just crazy shore fishing nonsense, but no, you know, just to stay with this same train of thought, you know, the musky battle, again, it that just stemmed from my channel as a whole. So I started just keep casting in the spring of 2017. And I was running already, I was bouncing ideas off of two other YouTube channels, which are much bigger than mine now. And I told them in the beginning, before I even released my channel, I've got this idea. And they were like, dude, that idea is awesome. And the idea was musky battle. Now, originally, it was just a pilot run. I don't know if you guys remember, but the YouTube game for a little while was really big on 1v1s, 2v2, 3v3, like the Googans and all these other, you know, other multi-species anglers. The, the 3v3 type stuff was huge for like a, like a one-year window, one-and-a-half-year window. Everyone was putting out these videos, and I was like, ain't nobody dumb enough to do a musky challenge because you got to catch at least one to even have a video. Mm -hmm. you got to be pretty crazy to go for it but i'm like dude if we've got six or more good sticks and we know what we're doing someone will catch one and all you need is one to put out an episode so i did two 3v3 challenges in 2017 and those were my pilot runs to see if there was any traction and interest for the battle and clearly there was and so then i'm like i'm going full blown with this but the main reason why i started it was because when i got into the youtube game myself I quickly realized as I was paying attention to other YouTubers, and this is the best, you know, description or example I can give you. I would go and watch a guy's video. And it's ironic that I think uh, Ryan, I don't know who brought up SG Anglin, but somebody said SG Anglin. And it's so because we were talking to him, Donnie, at the battle about this, him and uh, uh, who was the other one? Uh, was it Zach? I can't remember. But we were talking to SG Anglin about this. But Zach. Yeah. So I was, I would tic-tac, <laughs> tic-tac, Zach. That's a great story. But, um, love bro, but I, but I was watching <laughs> channels and I would watch one video, one channel. And I'm like, dude, this guy's video is dope. The editing's good. He just caught a nice fish. He knows what he's doing. He seems like a nice guy. And the dude would have like 140 subscribers and the video would have like 75 views. And then I'd go watch another video from a, a channel that had like 50,000 subscribers 
and I'm just being real. They're catching dinks. The editing sucks and they don't even communicate well on camera. And I'm, I'm analytical. So I'm paying attention to all aspects of fishing and YouTube and, you know, an entertainment standpoint. And, and I understand algorithms. I understand building your channel, all that, but at face value, I'm like, this dude is killing it, but no one's going to watch him because the first thing they see is his low numbers of subscribers mm -hmm. and they immediately dismiss him because he's not legit. And it bothered me. I was like, that is absolute trash. And SG Anglin, I brought it up. Cause I told him at the battle dude in front of Donnie, in front of Joe Bieber from AVO in front of Zach, you know, other guys that were there. That was when we were at the cabin at, uh, at uh, Northland at, on Leech Lake. And I said, in front of everybody, I said, dude, Sam from SG Anglin. I'm like, your editing is so much better than mine. And I'm like, and you're catching way more muskies than I am on average. Cause you guys legit, I go musky fishing. Don't tell nobody, but I, I go musky fishing sometimes like once every month, once every two months. Cause I'm busy and I'm not making mm -hmm. that up. I'm busy. Okay. I go as much as I can, but sometimes I go a stretch four or five weeks. I won't even touch a musky rod. Right. So I'm it's like, not your job. It's not, it's not. And I'm, I'm addicted to it, but it's not my live. It's not how I make my living. And so, and I don't want, and I'll, and Donnie, you've heard me say this. I don't want it to be my living, which that's exactly story I can tell you. I can tell you why I do not want this to ever be a career because of what my uncle told me when I was 12 years old. But I'm looking at these guys at the battle and I'm like, Sam, you're killing it. You're catching more muskies. Your editing is really good. And I don't know what Sam has. He's got like, maybe, I don't know. I'm going to botch this, like 800 subscribers. Maybe. I don't know, but I've got, and I don't even have that many. I'm nobody, but I've got more than twice as much as he does. And I looked at him and I said, that's trash. That is garbage that your channel isn't bigger than mine. And so my motivation early on was I want to specifically find YouTubers, number one, because obviously I have a channel and I wanted to use the platform. I wanted to find YouTubers and help them rub shoulders with big YouTubers to get the little guys exposure. I wanted to find lure manufacturers and I wanted to find even guides that I knew and I trusted that were trying to get it going and get their career going. And I hate to say it this way. I hope anybody listening doesn't take this disrespectfully. I'm a nobody. Okay. That's how I feel. But I was trying to find guys that are quote unquote, nobody. everybody's somebody. Come on. Oh, there you go. Nice. Plug. <laughs> Good <job>. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys that were not getting a legitimate opportunity, but I felt deserved it. I wanted to use the battle to give them that platform, you know? And so we've, it's been, it's blown up. You know, we got guys like Ducci, Mike Ducci from Lake St. Clair. He doesn't even, he, he has the channel by the way, but he's not even in it. Like we are, but Ducci is, he's just, man, he is a worker. He is like diligent. He is passionate about the battle. He gets after it. And he's gotten people like SB fishing to come. He's gotten others to come, but he understood early on, dude, let's help each other out. Let's help other guys out. And so from the get go, I was hoping I, in some small way could find guys like swing outdoors or whoever in, 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 in my own little way, be like, Hey man, I'm going to do everything in my power to get you more attention because people like you deserve it. And I think it's absolute garbage that countless people are look, looking past you because you don't have 10,000 subscribers yet. You know, it's just, it, I it, mean, that's the I'm name of the game in today's, you. that's the name of the game in today's really anything is, you know, how, how does the mom and pop, how does the little guy, you mm -hmm. know, stand out? 
when their quality is probably better than the the you know the the you know the the mass mass produced item you know it's it's a it's a it's a story as old as time really and, and, that's and, one. And, and it's it's guys like you that that keep it you know keep the the little guys kind of coming coming up and, and giving them some type of life in in ability to you know get some type of traction and i think that's awesome Nick, that is one of the coolest things about musky fishing is that like the the baits themselves and stuff are all like mom and pop you know operations and almost none of it's like mass produced except tom's favorite the uh like booker the and super stuff. chad but, yeah 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 but uh but yeah and that's, I mean, it's so and that's cool why to, i like i always want to you know i want to give to stuff like that you know like to you know because i think it's important to if guys are are you know taking part in an event like that you know they <clears throat> i think they probably have a similar outlook like they 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 would they wouldn't mind fishing a a local guy's bait as opposed to maybe a you know a mass produced you know buy at you know the 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 box store bait so i i think those things are what keep keep the the industry you know really afloat to a degree because first of all it's not easy to find musky baits i mean i think even we live in pittsburgh where there is a a significant population of musky and you you can't i mean we always talk about stopping into places and that there's a terrible selection of musky baits you know so so i think the internet in in getting uh you know your 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 brand out there that hey people can call you or, 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 you know, go online and send you a message and, and order a bait because they saw it on, on the, on, you know, the musky battle or something like that. I think that stuff is just, you know, it's, it's invaluable to, to small bait makers. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there right now for Tom, <clears throat> Tom, you need to look up my guy, Daniel Hunter, trans lures. Yeah. This dude, listen, this dude, and I'll give him mad respect. <clears throat> We fish same rivers and he has got these rivers dialed in even more than I do. And he makes his lures that he makes at trans lures are specifically designed for river muskies. And this dude is straight up slaying, not just numbers, but big fish. Okay. So, and he's a little guy, mom and pop. And and a lot of my friends, Mike Conklin, Conklin lures him. And I'm probably, I could go on and on. But, you know, and it's not to throw, here's the thing. You could look at a big, take a big lure company, take a big YouTube channel. You got to give credit where credit's due. A lot of these successful guys have worked their butts off. They've got good products. They've got good channels, et cetera, et cetera. I am not Mm -hmm. at all questioning what they have obviously accomplished and rightfully so. But at the same time, there's a lot of guys out there that are successful in terms of views, subscribers, or dollars. But you can you watch them and their content's not great. They're not great fishermen. Or sometimes I hate to say it, it's pretty obvious they're not even good people. Okay. So for me, that's where I differentiated. And I thought, you know, more power to the guys that have succeeded and they've earned it. They deserve that. But when I see guys, and again, like you take SG Anglin, you take like Donnie, I'm getting to know. You take uh Matt Vavrock, Vavrock, I only say his name wrong. But dude, Matt Vavrock, I don't care what anybody says. This dude is fishing his butt off all the time. And if he, I hope he listens to this, but he's putting in time on the water. He is, is just grinding. And the dude is catching muskies consistently and he's getting them on film. 
And I'm like, it's hard to find YouTubers, even musky YouTubers that consistently put out content because muskies suck and they're hard to catch. But Matt's over here and he's again, probably under a thousand subs. And that's when I sit back and I say, okay, the algorithm's ridiculous and stupid, but I get it. And I understand the game and I understand marketing. I was in marketing and banking for a decade. I get all that. So I'm over here like, okay, I'm not going to try to bypass this or find a cheat code, but what can I do to find guys like y'all or anyone else and, and give them momentum and encouragement? Because I believe with all my heart, you know, you take SG Ang and Matt, you take Donnie. I don't really want to do this for a living. And honestly, you guys, I'm still learning. I'm so, I'm so inexperienced with the YouTube and the social media game. But I look at some of these guys I just mentioned. I believe, it's my opinion, I think they could do it. I think if they were given the opportunity, or even some of you guys, with whatever you're doing with your channels, with your lure company, Owen, I mean, whatever. I don't just say this. I fished, man, I was moving some fish like crazy in Minnesota, by the way, on your bucktails, Owen. But but I believe. Which yeah, one were you throwing? The, the pink, that pink double eight, bro. That okay. thing was fire, dude. It was fire. I love it. But I, when I meet guys that have the drive, the motivation, and more importantly, they have the character, and obviously they've got talent, whether it's making lures or catching fish or both, I'm just like, man, you can do this. That's the way I think. I may not tell them that when I first meet them, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, this guy's got it. He's got what it takes, but he needs opportunity, and he's probably getting discouraged all the time because the industry is, is, not, is not friendly, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's just like trying to give guys, this is where the musky battle kind of took off and why I got so into it. I started to see it was working and I'm like, dude, if, if, if I can help anybody take that next step or get one step closer to the success they're, they're desiring, then I want to help. I want to be a part of that. So I have a question about the battle itself. So it seems to me that there would be a lot of work that would go into something like this. So can you kind of like, I mean, for, for people that might be listening that don't necessarily have any exposure to those videos and, and really understand, like, what can you kind of describe, like, what, what goes on at the battle? How is it set up? How much work you putting into it? Is that fair? Is that too much? It's a headache, bro. It's, <laughs> it's uh, look, to, to tell you why it's a headache, I love doing it. I do it every year, but I'm, I'm actually this year. Cause I told the guys I was going to take a break and Donnie and all of them weren't having it. We were driving back to our, to our, uh, to Rutgers where we were staying. It was me, Donnie, uh, McLean. And was it Conklin? Yeah, it was four of us. Uh, yeah. Me, you, Alex and, and Mike. Yeah. Yep. And so I was telling these guys, I need a break. And they all yelled at me and said, screw it. We're doing it, but Jeff will oversee it. So this year actually, and I'm kind of relieved and I'm excited McLean, uh, Ben Stone Fishing are kind of taking it. They're spearheading it. They're going to like oversee most of it. So I'm going to kind of just sit in the background and and see how it goes. But, you know, it's funny. When they said they were going to take over, we had a group thread. And Alex was – and I, Alex is a good dude, and he's a phenomenal angler, but he's one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. But he was, like, really positive, excited. And in this group thread with everyone who had participated in this last year's battle or this year's battle, he was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Well – five minutes into the thread and 87 messages later and nobody agreeing on anything and, and seeming impossible to schedule even a battle next year. He sent a GIF, like one of the moving, you know, images or whatever of a guy jumping ship. And like, he was his way of saying, I'm out of here. And I'm like, you've been in charge five minutes, bro. You can't quit yet. Because 
what goes on behind the scenes was planning this and, and they're doing a great job. That was the first five minutes. Uh, Alex and Ben are killing it. They've got some big things planned. We started a musky battle Instagram uh, uh, page. I'm excited. They've got some great ideas and I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to help. But every year, the biggest thing I can tell you is it's communication. It's nonstop communication to try to have any hope of pulling this off. So every year, January, February, I am messaging, texting, calling, and I am trying to get 20 plus guys to pick a weekend that works for everybody. And then I'm trying to shop around, hopefully for a resort or a lodge. Rutgers has done it. Northland's done it for three years in a row, but I am, I'm selling, I'm, I'm selling a pitch. I'm sending out emails. I'm making phone calls. I mean, it's marketing, you know, that's really all it is. And I am out there trying to sell the event to somebody that'll take us in. Okay. And then I'm trying to orchestrate. And you got to realize musky fishermen are not always the most organized, disciplined guys. No. On the so <laughs> they're not. That's where I was going to cut in for a second, Jeff, and just say, uh, speaking as someone who was at the battle, I, I can't speak to the work that Jeff puts in planning the battle, but I can speak to what the poor guy has to go through at the battle itself, just trying to, to uh, kind of heard, rally heard all cats. these adult <laughs> children that really are only want to go fishing and, and uh, don't really care about anything else. And don't want to look at our phones or meet for dinner or do any of the sort. So poor Jeff's trying to organize uh, group <clears throat> intros and outros and, and everything else. And, and it's just, it, it's craziness. I, I felt bad for the guy. I got to say, but so Jeff, so, how many, how many boats did you have? Like how many teams did you have this year? Uh, I think we had seven this year. Seven boats. Okay. And that's pretty, we've, we've averaged about five to seven for the last, you know, three years about, it's pretty consistent, like six or seven is pretty consistent. So if um, you have five or five to seven, I mean, you're, you're, you got two people per boat, right? I mean, you're, you usually do three. We usually do, you do three. three. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So we've had the, the number has fluctuated between about 17 to like 23. It's, it's always in that range of how many, some boats do two. Um, but yeah, it's usually three guys in a boat. And, you know, to Donnie's point, you have to understand, like, I am big on being grateful and, and appreciating when people help you out, when people teach you something, etc. cetera, sure. you know, when people, when people throw you a bone, um, I don't care who you are. No angler is truly self-taught. I don't care. You're a liar. You're a liar. Every musky angler in the game had more than one guy, most likely helping them throughout the years get better okay so first of all in terms of skill and catching fish you didn't figure it all out and i am extremely appreciative and for me the big three guys that were there early on were my uncle uh my buddy mike from from the mad chain and my buddy dave from minnesota those guys are the reason i got to the place that i did in terms of skill and finally being able to figure it out on my own okay but there's other guys along the way over the years that have taught me things and i'm still learning okay but when you go even beyond fishing and skill when you look at the battle, for example, so you've got big channels helping small channels. You've got guides getting promoted. You've got guys that make lures getting promoted. And let's not forget, you've got resorts that are basically giving us a couple thousand bucks, essentially, for free. They're letting us lodge. They're, they're housing 20 dudes at a nice resort for three to four nights. 
Okay. That's if we were paying for that, that's not cheap. Okay. So across the board, you have a lot of people giving, helping and doing something for you. And so for me, what does that all boil down to? Why does the battle exist? Because there are viewers and subscribers that make what we do possible. Okay. So if you have a channel, I'm sorry, without people clicking on that subscribe button and watching your videos, you may think you're the greatest angler on the planet or you've got great products. And maybe you, you are a great angler and you've got great products, but you still need complete strangers to sit down and commit time out of their day to hit that subscribe button and to watch your video each week or each upload. And it, it bothers me to no end when successful individuals look at people as numbers and dollar signs. And for me, people tune into the battle because they enjoy the story. They enjoy the back and forth, the joking, the camaraderie. They enjoy the intros. They enjoy the outros when they see us all together as a group. They enjoy the competition. They enjoy the updates. Oh, man, Swink Outdoors caught one and nobody else has. Everyone's got to try to catch them now. There's so many elements that go into the content itself that tells the story of the weekend. That's why the viewers say every year, even though I'm ready to quit because every all these grown men are acting like little children and I'm trying to round them up. And I'm like, I'm tired of y'all. My kids are more <laughs> behaved than you are. Right. So every year I want to quit. But but the viewers, number one, and the subscribers are saying, dude, I can't wait till next year. And then guys like Donnie are like, dude, don't cop out. This is awesome. We're doing it again. You know, and so for me, trying to keep everybody on point and have some type of agenda or schedule without feeling like I'm their dad and breathing down their neck, that is a very difficult balance without flat out just yelling at these guys and saying, dude, you're an idiot. Get with the freaking program, you know, because I try to always be respectful and professional, but Donnie was there. That's why he's laughing. I mean, I've had guys say other guys, I won't say their names, but they flat out said, I'm going to go over to that cabin and knock so-and-so out. This is ridiculous. And I'm the one saying, no, we're not ruining the event for the group and we're not ruining it for the viewers because we have to keep them in mind. So in terms of being grateful and appreciating what's been given to us, my channel in the battle would not exist if not for approximately 2,000 subscribers giving me their time once a week. So I take that to heart and I suck at editing, but I'm going to do my best to make the event a good time, positive and fun, and to have a story to show to them because none of our channels would exist without people like that. So I'm heated. I'm sorry. In all honesty, I, no, I love that. I, I love that. And I, awesome. I, I think we should, we should see more of that with the musky battle. We should see more of like the, uh, you know, make this more of, of, a, of a reality TV show and, and like have, yeah. have uh, you know, the confessionals like they used to have yeah. on. Like the office. <laughs> yeah, like the have the confessional where, where I go in there and I get to I get to bitch up and down about SG angling, but in about you know anyone else that I I I, I want to you know I want to fight Swink Outdoors. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, beat like, the crap out of Swink like Outdoors. He looked at me wrong. <laughs> he told me to spot lock on his place, and it was bullshit. Donnie always catches anchor ropes anytime oh, I go yeah, out with him. It's always the anchor. <laughs> Two things quick about what you, that's good. We do need to do confessionals and, and there's some stuff in the work. Alex and Ben have got some good ideas and, and, and Ducci, but two things. So the first thing is this, this epitomizes the event itself. So this year was the worst year of fishing we ever had at the battle. It's just absolutely 
the worst year. Okay. But, and, and the other one, the second thing I'm gonna tell you is a story from a couple of years ago with someone who was complaining about another YouTuber. But so this year, the fishing was miserable. Donnie knows he was there. It was absolutely horrible. The weather was, the weather was just complete trash. And we're sitting in the I big I told you that was going to happen when you invited me, Jeff. We knew. We're the, we're the cold front kings, man. We brought it. We, we are so good at shutting down a bite. We overcame 15 top musky anglers because we are so experienced. We got so much skill bringing cold fronts and a bad bite. They just couldn't hang, bro. But anyways, I'm just kidding. I hate it. I, I'm cursed, man. I hate it. But so, and that's true. Donnie knows. But so... We were in the big cabin and we're sitting there getting our butts kicked fishing wise. We are miserable. We're losing our minds. Okay. Literally you guys know how it goes when the bite sucks and when you're struggling and uh, Dan from ABO outfitters, he says, dude, I am having so much fun at this thing. I am coming back. This is the worst fishing of my life. I cannot wait to do this next year. So the first thing I want to tell you is the camaraderie, the friendship, the fun, the, the stories, the back and forth of the cabins, you guys, it is so much thinking fun. The community and the family we've built, Donnie will tell you, it's real, okay? So, yeah, there's drama. Yeah, there's some immaturity. Yeah, I feel like I'm chasing children around sometimes in the Northwoods. But overall, the atmosphere of this event, it's awesome. It's incredible. And I don't, I, you know, don't want to get dramatic and over the top and be like, it's life-changing. But anyone who's been there, they will tell you, dude, it's one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. And that's because hey, of my, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like plant the seed for a musky hunks boat, but you know, that's, that's <laughs> definitely a possibility for, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but, dude. No, I'll tell McLean to call you guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. but, the art of delegation. You guys can tell though. I mean, I, I assume by you follow my channel and even Donnie's probably said a little bit, but my personality, the way I do things, it dictates if I'm going to do something, I'm going to mean it and I'm going to do it right. So the battle by default is kind of a byproduct of my personality, you know? And so it, it, you know, and I don't feel bad about that. I think it's a great event and I think we are super competitive and we're all up there talking trash, texting each other in a day. We absolutely want to destroy each other in the tournament. But then when we're kicking it at the cabin, it's, it's an incredible fun experience where friendships are are legitimately being built but the second thing i was going to say you know back to the drama but this is funny because this is the stuff i got to deal with all the time i mean one year last year i had someone say publicly on social media they were not coming two days before the event like blasting me being negative the first night of the event that was the last i heard the first night of the event at one in the morning when everyone was sleeping they rolled in with their boat Okay. The owner of the resort was this close to kicking them off the property. And I said, don't do it. Don't ruin the vibe of the weekend. I'll allow it. Let's stay focused on the vision and the battle and the subscribers, but people were heated. Okay. But the year before that, this, you guys, this stuff I deal with the year before that everyone was in the big cabin, like not everyone, like 70% of the participants were there early and they were all in the big cabin complaining about a YouTuber that hadn't gotten there yet that had been at the event before. And they're all just taking turns trashing them. And you guys, listen, I'm a minister. I'm a man of God. I'm not perfect. By all means, I am not perfect. But I try to practice what I preach. And I don't think it's it's right to go out of your way to slander and just 
absolutely trash someone in a malicious way. Okay. You can disagree. You can say why you disagree, but I think there's a line that you shouldn't cross in getting nasty. Okay. That's just my opinion, but they're absolutely going, they're taking turns. It's like a dang, you know, therapy session. I don't know what was going on. I walk in and they're just trashing one after the other. And they look at me. And of course, all these grown men, most are older than me. You need to do something about this. You need to and I said, man, y'all are weak. I said, the moment they walk up in this cabin tonight, you're all going to be high-fiving and say, hey, man, it's so great to see you. And, hey, one, of them said, and one of them laughed and he said, Jeff, you are so right. And he gave me I a high-five. And I'm I got like, mind control over Debo. Bro, I'm like, you guys are pathetic. I'm like, you're a bunch of pansies. I'm like, why don't you tell them? Why? I don't have a problem with them. They've always been respectful to me. I'm like, and all y'all are in here gossiping like middle school girls. I'm like, when they get here, tell them what you think. And, and do you think any of them said anything nastier or, or what they really thought when that YouTuber got there? No. no not and I was glad they didn't. But again, it's just this, the management of people and different personalities. And, and I hate to say it this way, but sometimes, not always, but people get selfish. Like Donnie was alluding to, they're just there to fish and get their views or whatever, get their video. Yes, we deal with that. But trying to manage these different personalities and sometimes negative attitudes to, to back to Ryan's question, bro, that's what makes it difficult from an organizational standpoint to pull this thing off. It is really hard to keep everybody on the same page and to get follow through. So it's, it's people management more than anything. I mean, catching muskies is easy at that point, if I'm being honest mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, well, it's hard enough I to get four of us lined up to go to our little weekend every year. I can't imagine 20 people. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's absolutely <laughs> true. And imagine like, you know, you're like, you know, Jeff was saying, like, you're asking these resorts to give you this time and you know to give you this you know free accommodations and you know people are are, are not being upfront about whether they're going to show up or not i mean holy crap I, I mean that's literally like the the number one thing on with a resort is how many rooms can i you know right. how, how many people can i can i what capacity can I have? And if people aren't going to have the, the very basic modicum of respect of saying, Hey, I can be there or not, then anything after that is very difficult to control, yep. <laughs> you know, like showing up for dinners and showing up for intros and outros. Like if you can't get someone to say, Hey, I will show up and I'm, I'm going to give you my word that I'm going to be there. You know, like that's, it, it's tough. So I give you a lot of credit for that. And to, and, and as obviously a man of God, like you, it takes, a, you know, patience to, to, you know, to, to deal with this stuff. I mean, I, I would love to, to pick your brain about that kind of, you know, yeah. how you, how you juxtapose, you know, being a pastor with how people may talk or act or, you know, you know what I mean? Like it, it because you know, uh, musky fishing, we, the, the, the musky fishermen hold themselves out as a rough and tumble, you know, uh, group of guys, like, uh, not necessarily what I would suggest as the most God fearing, you know, types, <laughs> types of guys, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of like the, it's kind of the, the dichotomy, if you will. And then maybe this isn't the place to get into that. Maybe you and I would have some time to, to sit and talk at, you know, uh, uh, at another opportunity. But I, I think that's, 
I would be fascinated to, to talk to you about that. Yeah, I, we don't need to now. I will say this quick, though, because it's funny. And Donnie, Donnie can attest. He's been there in person. He knows how I carry myself. I'm a very forward and blunt person. But I, I, I again, I try to be respectful. And this may sound somewhat corny, but there is sincere care and like love for people behind why I'm forward. Because I just believe in doing things right. So I'm like, look, no, I don't agree because I don't think that's right. Okay. But what you're describing, the atmosphere, um, you know, my, my commitment to my faith, how I carry myself, how I live my lifestyle, it is a bit of an anomaly to what most would view as the traditional musky community. Okay. So I think that's what you were alluding to, but Ducci, Mike Ducci, and he is such a good dude. Mike Ducci has helped take the battle to the next level without question. And he's one of the good guys. He's got such a great attitude. And, and, you know, most of the guys that have come to this event are solid guys. That's why I keep inviting them back. But Ducci, we were in this thread going back and forth. And Ducci and, uh, and McLean and maybe a few other guys that were in it, they were, they were upset about some of the nonsense that took place this year. And they're the type of guys, they're literally saying, like, maybe we need to go and straighten some people out, you know? And, and they weren't being really nasty, but they were just expressing they were frustrated and they didn't think things were handled the right way. And they were offering option A, which was a little bit more musky community, you know, like, like rough, take out kneecaps. Feet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and I, and I came in and I trumped them and I said, and they wouldn't really, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'm worried, you know, Alex, sometimes I've been worried that I've wanted to tell him to leave me at the dock and then go talk to those guys because I ain't trying to go to jail over musky fishing. Because he gets yes. a little intense. If he's listening, he's going to as, as a criminal defense attorney, let me tell you, you your instincts as a pastor are correct right there. <laughs> I, I'm coming home to my wife and my kids, and I am not, not coming home to them because you wanted to punch a guy at the dock. So you can do that when I'm when I'm in my car, okay? Because but, Right, because he crossed your trolling lines or something, you know? Something, something. So, and Alex is, dude, he's such a, he really is a nice guy, but you will see... Don't push out. That's all I'm going to tell you. And he's a big guy. But we were going back and forth. Don't and I agree with him. off his drift either because I see what happens when you do that. Yep. But I, I fully agreed 100% with why they were upset. But I was, you know, kind of calming them down and saying, we're not going to handle that way. I said, you guys, the musky battle will always, even if I'm not in charge, it's always going to be tied to me and my reputation. And I said, so as long as the musky battle exists, I know you're going to have to put up with some crap. You don't got to be a pushover. Don't invite them back, whatever. But you're going to handle things the right way. And Ducci's response in the group was, Jeff, you always do things the right way, and I'm sick and tired of it. So that <laughs> kind of, just so you know, that kind of summarizes the experience of me around these guys. And you know what, dude? Honestly, overall, it's been awesome. It's been wonderful. It's been a great experience. I did not grow up in the church. I grew up on the streets. I was wild. I was bad. And so I can, I can survive in that environment. And if anything, I enjoy being around these types of guys because who knows, maybe a friendship will develop. And if it goes beyond fishing, that's really what I'm hoping it will do, you know, but if it doesn't, you know, whatever, I won't invite them back the next year. <laughs> now, here's a, a slightly lighter note question. Out of the on three hard days of fishing with musky fishermen, were there any outrageous superstitions that came out? Like Donnie and I have one about finding pennies in the gas station before before a fishing trip. 
that's a sure sign of good luck. But dude, so McLean is Alex McLean, who I fished with him. He is superstitious, and I cannot remember any of his, but he is dude. Like, and here's the thing: I'm not like I'm the type of guy. Donnie knows I'm gonna shut down you. You, Ducci has like ten nicknames for me: Hurricane Contreras, Cold Front Contreras, Heat Wave Contreras. Like he, he said, what did he say, Donnie? He said something like Jeff Trump's like Oprah Winfrey, the Weatherman, and the Greek gods all together. Like you guys don't even understand. Farmers' so, Almanac. Yeah, yeah. So my mentality is like, you don't want bananas in your boat. I'm gonna bring like. 15 bananas and I'm going to catch a muskie just to prove you wrong. So like, I'm the opposite. I'm just like, let's go out and earn a fish. Let's go make it happen on our skill and our experience. And if we don't catch one, it's because we suck today. I can live with that. So I don't pay attention to it, but yes. And I don't know, Donnie might know, but might've noticed some when we were there, but I know Alex is seriously like really superstitious. McLean is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't recall noticing uh, any of his superstitions necessarily. I do recall watching him uh, it, talking talking to him, uh, maybe getting a little angry from time to time. I know what happens if uh, some crappie fisherman cut off his drift <laughs> on rock bar. <laughs> he starts doing circles around the boat. <laughs> you were there. You guys were fishing. Yeah, we were right next to each other. Oh, bro. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. I've circled pontoon boats with Alex. I I, I wanted to cut in real quick. Oh, that was awesome. But I I just wanted to speak quickly to – it seems like we we talked a good bit about the, uh, you know, the drama side of the battle, which, you know, no matter what, especially when you're getting a bunch of guys together, you're going to have a little bit of drama. But uh, speaking as, you know – uh, a very, very small YouTuber uh, that got that invite extended to me from Jeff to, to come out there and, and do the whole thing and experience it for the first time. Just everything about it was, it, it's just an awesome event. Uh, you can really tell that, you know, every everything that Jeff's talking about, it, it reflects in the event and the camaraderie and, and rubbing elbows with other guys and the majority of the guys that are there are there to, to hang out and have fun and, and share information and just laugh. And it's a lot like hunks weekend, you know, for us at Canandota Lake, but on a bigger scale with uh, guys from all over, and, you know, and you're meeting these dudes that fish from different bodies of water and just, just talking and hearing stories about what they do in, in Northern Minnesota or in Wisconsin or, at Lake St. Clair and, 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 you know, getting to hang out with all these different guys. It just, it's, it's just an awesome event. And, and you know, I, I, I know I've thanked Jeff a hundred times, but I'm going to just take this opportunity to thank him one more time for even letting me be a part of it. But uh, it's uh, it, it's a neat thing that he has going on and, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I know I'm, I'm part of the, the Instagram thread and, and hearing uh, what Ben Ben Stone and and Alex McLean are, are kind of planning for next year. I know they're looking at doing multiple legs, one at Minnesota again, and another one at Green Bay, I believe. And it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm really pumped to have the chance to be a part of it. So, well, that's awesome. And you know, I I really appreciate Jeff coming on, you know, and, and taking the time to to do this with us because it's been extremely 
you know, informative to me just in terms of how he got started and, and, you know, and the, the whole musky battle, I think is just awesome. And, and, you know, I, I really commend you for, for doing that to try to give some, you know, visibility and, you know, promotion to, to, you know, people that are, are, are just getting, getting started in, in things. And I think that's that if, if it isn't for guys like you, a lot of channels or, you know, things like this, even a podcast, maybe you'll, you'll have a big part in us, you know, becoming bigger than, than our, you know, three subscribers, no offense to you, three <laughs> subscribers. <laughs> I'm the one kid that asked the question. I got, uh, I, I want to circle back around real quick. We're getting close to our, our time limit here. Yeah. So, uh, so actually I, I actually, as, as I've done in the past, I actually have to bow out because uh, my wife is saying that I got to go help get one of my kids to bed. So I just want to say personally, thank you to Jeff, because this has been awesome. And I really appreciate him taking the time. And, and, uh, and again, I, I hope that, you know, Donnie, you know, has, has more, you know, is still invited to the, uh, to the musky battle, despite his association with this podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, I hope, I hope someday you and I will, uh, we'll get to fish together. Hopefully we'll all be able to do something where we can fish together. Let's do it. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Well, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off here. You guys uh go ahead and enjoy yourselves for the rest of the evening. All right. All right. Sweet See ya. And All this right. is the point where the, the teacher leaves and the substitute takes over, and there's yeah, absolutely no direction or rule. No, this is where we fall it, apart. It, it gets real bad. It falls yeah. apart fast. If you thought it was show. a circus before, <laughs> I have two it's questions. Like the battle. It's just like the battle. I got two questions for you, Jeff. Number one, what is your all-time favorite muscular? Dang. So I don't have a favorite. I have I'm an I'm about efficiency. Efficiency is everything to me. So what will catch fish more consistently year-round is what I always come back to. If I only had one lure year-round on any body water, lake, river, big water, small water, doesn't matter. The only lure I'm gonna be confident in no matter what that can get it done good you know hot weather cold weather you name it is going to be a nine inch weighted suic nine inch weighted suic mm -hmm. i know donnie so it's, not likes that. it's not my favorite by mm -hmm. any means but i don't i don't play favorites because i'm too i'm too analytical and i want to get it done so some days my favorite's a, a fourth ounce hair jig some days it's a pounder some days it's a glider i mean you know, I, I know you hear this a lot, but I let the fish tell me what the heck are they going to, what's going to get them to go. Um, I, I would prefer all muskies just to freaking eat my bucktail because the hooking percentages are good. I've caught probably 70% of my muskies lifetime on bucktails. I mean, maybe that's my quote unquote favorite. Um, but, you know, even bucktails, they, they, they don't always work in certain conditions, you know. So if for me, I don't really care about, there's a lot of baits I like. They haven't caught me a dang fish. I love them and they suck. And so for me, it's like, what will get the job done? And for me, it's efficiency. And so I always come back to what will work year round, any conditions, any body water, nine inch weighted suic. Yep. All right. So you said you're what? So you're like Southern Wisconsin then? Yeah. 10 minutes from Illinois. All right. So my, my only other question for you right now, and you may not even get involved in any of this, but I got to ask, is it, is it Packers or is it Bears? So 
I'll, I'll be honest. I stopped following altogether, honestly, dude. I stopped following pro sports probably about six, seven years ago. Nice-ish. Um, I but before I was an addict. I mean, I used to uh, literally watch. You can ask my wife. I watched every NFL game Sunday morning, Sunday morning, or well, Sunday afternoon, noon, three o'clock, Sunday night game, Monday night, Thursday night. It didn't matter who was playing. I used to never miss a single game in the NFL, and I was hardcore obsessed with the NBA. Okay, so it's it's a it's a it's a half answer. I don't follow anymore. I really don't care. I'm totally out of the pro sports thing. But you're you're not going to be happy with this. I was a lifelong Cowboys fan. Packers. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll drive you away from pro sports right there well hey, it helped, it helped. I, I had to ask i i know that uh i know that uh general area of the country is steeped in uh nfl history there but not these everybody packers, needs, these packer fans need jesus that's all i'm gonna say i'm for them. <laughs> they need help <laughs> all right does anybody else have any questions for jeff yeah i have one when the hell are we gonna talk about bank fishing yeah. yeah, that got away. Go. So I, I, I'm kind of wanting to talk about like, and I don't go small that often, but I kind of want to talk about fishing small bank fishing because yeah. it is, I, in my opinion, it is the most underestimated, underutilized presentations and guys yeah, same just out are here. Missing, they're missing out on catching fish. Mm-hmm. So, we do the same thing out here too because i mean like if you're a lot of the times when we're bank fishing we're not in like the deepest of water we're in some like shallower areas like creek mouths like behind dams and it might be anywhere from two to five feet deep so you're not in like an area where you're going to be throwing pounders and mag dogs and stuff like you're usually downsizing right off the bat yeah so i guess i'll preface it with like so my pb i got in southern wisconsin uh shore fishing and I was using a mid Medusa, which is not a big bait, but it's mm. average. I would say it's a little smaller than average, but I was using a mid Medusa and I was, in, I was chucking in three feet of water. Okay. So, and that was a 52 and a quarter inch fish. Now you can go literally, you can go online and do create a dang form, create a dang pole. You're going to be very hard pressed to find anyone on any, any inland waters in all of Wisconsin. Okay. Not green Bay, not your great lake water. You're going to be hard pressed to find anybody in all of Wisconsin on inland waters that has caught a fish 52 plus inches from shore casting. And I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm so great. Okay. I got lucky and I'm thankful for it, mm-hmm. but it's extremely rare. It's, it's like a dang unicorn. Okay. So I caught, I bring it up because I caught that fish in three feet of water on a relatively smaller bait. And I caught it in a, basically a river. That's really like a, a big Creek. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the biggest fish of my life came on a smaller bait, small-ish bait. But then in general, I have caught a lot of, and for me, 52 and a quarter, pretty much anywhere other than Green Bay is like a freaking unicorn in Wisconsin. They're hard to come by. 50-51, you see fish like that caught. But when you see guys catching 52s and 53s outside of Green Bay, it's like, that's incredible. It's really an accomplishment. But so, so down by me, 45 is a big fish. You know, you, if you're catching my goal every year in Southern Wisconsin is to catch at least, I'm hoping to get at least one fish that's 45 plus. So when you start getting into like 46, 47, 48 inch range, those, we, we, those are giants to us. Okay. 
and I've caught fish of that caliber and I'm not making this up, you guys, 46 inch fish on, you know, two and three inch walleye jigs on hair jigs, um, you know, on, um, on twister tails on purpose. Okay. And, you know, one story I would share, just to emphasize the point, what I realized when I started musky fishing from shore and sight fishing them was it was very much like bass sight fishing bass. Okay. You can see the fish, but most of the time when you see them and they see you, you can't get them to go. And so it can be very discouraging. And so I would throw traditional stuff most of the time and you'd get followed when you're, I'm talking about specifically sight fishing and you'd get follows. Sometimes you'd get interest, but it was really hard to ever get them to commit to a traditional musky bait and eat when you're a sight fishing them. And so I started to, you know, just the wheels were turning. I'm thinking they're clearly interested, but this is turning them off in a way. It's like, it's, mm -hmm. it's and I hate saying this because I like throwing big baits. When I go to Claire, I love throwing pounders and Husky Deuces. Okay. I've done it all day, three days straight. I've thrown a pounder 16 hours a day. I've done it multiple times. So I love it when it's working, but these river fish, a lot of their forage is small bait fish. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, they're just, most of the time, they're not going to hit the tr traditional stuff. So I started saying nothing is off limits. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to fish these muskies. Like I would fish a really finicky bass or even sometimes I've sight fished walleye before shallow in the spring. Okay. And walleye can be super picky and finicky. And so I always tell guys, don't be afraid to go ultra small. And if you think you're fishing slow, if you think you're, guys hate it when I say this, when I take them. If you think you're fishing too slow, go slower. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. It's like I'm fishing too slow already. Now, sometimes I get it. Speed is king. There is truth to that. Sometimes you need to burn that bait as fast as you can to get a reaction. But when fish are lethargic, lazy, if you got a cold front, if it's just really cold time of year and they're not chasing aggressively, when you have fish that you think are negative and you're like, man, they're not going to go on anything, I'm telling you. If you go really small and you fish painfully slow, most musky fishermen, I think, have ADD, and that's their problem. Yeah. And I'm being funny. I hope nobody gets offended. But but if you can really slow it down, when I sight fished them, I started to realize, and I'm going to tell you a story, and the guy that was there that saw this is also a minister. I'll freaking get him on the phone so you, he can confirm this story. This just proves my point. We were fishing the river. It was fall. And when you get that first cold, anyone that's going to listen, when you get that, and I'm not talking like, oh, it's cold. It's getting colder. It's falls here. No, I'm talking like, dang, dude, ice is around the corner. This hurts my bones cold. When you get that first fall cold front type weather, and for us, it's usually the very, very end of October, if not the early uh, first week of November. Okay. And you know, dang, dude, winter's almost here. There, that one to two week period when they're transitioning to get ready for winter and they're going to put on the feed bags, they will get really finicky and picky for about a week or two. They get, they get goofy and it's hard to get them to eat regular baits. And so it was that time of year and we were seeing muskies cruising here and there, but we weren't getting any follows. And my buddy who was new and I introduced him to musky fishing, he was a bass guy. I gave him a hard time for years and I finally got him into musky fishing. So I've got him with me. I'm kind of teaching him. And I'm like, bro, it's not working today. They're not going to bite traditional stuff. I just knew after an hour of not one follow, I'm like, it's not happening. I got to get crazy. 
So I walk away from him and I stop casting. I just start walking the shoreline until I see one. I'm like, I'm going to freaking sight fish one. I'm going to make one eat. But I pick up my walleye rod and I kid you not with 10 pound brain, 10, 10 pound braid and a 10 pound fluorocarbon leader. Okay. Cause I'm like, it is going to take the most finesse fishing of my life to get one to bite today. So I'm walking the shore and I finally see one just like always people walk past muskies from shore all the time. They don't even know it. They're in a foot or two of water and they're yep. parked under some brush or they're right on the sand. And because they're so still, if you don't see a tail or a fin move, you'll never know there's a 45 inch fish right in front of you. Yep. Guys miss it all the time. And so I won't even cast until when it's like this, I won't even cast till I see one. So I'm just walking, walking. I see one right in the sand, right in front of us. He had probably been there forever. We didn't know it. And I said, all right, this is my chance today. This one fish, otherwise I'm going home because it ain't happening. So I pitched out a little two inch, eighth ounce jig, a, a fake minnow, just a stupid generic, like bando minnow type crap. Okay. I pitch it out and I landed intentionally about four to five feet in front of it. Because if you plop right on them, just like bass, you're going to spook them a lot of time. Okay. So I'm like, I got to get this fish to move and I'll have a chance. So I pitch it out. I get chills when I tell this story. It was so freaking crazy, but I pitch it out about four to five feet in front of it. And my buddy Bryce comes walking over and he sees me with the walleye rod. And he's like, what the, and he's like typical musky guy. What are you doing, bro? We're not here to fish for walleye. And I'm like, dude, shut up and be quiet. <laughs> and I said, I'm working a fish. Cause I literally pitched this fish wasn't but 10 to 12 feet off the bank. It was right there. And so I said, be quiet. I'm working a fish. And he goes, a muskie with your walleye rod. I said, dude, look in the water. And so he's looking, looking, and he goes, dude, that's a nice one. And I said, just be quiet. I'm working it. And now you got, you got to realize by the time he walked over, my bait had already been in the water. Okay. And all I'm doing is it's sitting still most of the time. And every 20 to 30 seconds, you guys, I'm giving it a little shimmy and just my, my tail is fluttering just a little bit. And then I'm waiting 20, 30 seconds. He is thinking I'm crazy at this point. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you're not going to catch it. And I said, dude, and I was getting mad now. And I was like, dude, shut up. She has moved towards my bait. I watched where I marked where she started. I could tell the rock. She was by everything. And I could tell this fish, you guys, was, and I mean inching little at a time, closer and closer to my bait. Okay, but you have to cover four to five feet. It's going to take a while. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to tell Bryce to listen to this. And he was probably going to comment and say, dude, it's true. And so he's watching this. And you guys, I kid you not, I probably, this one cast, I worked this bait for more than five minutes. This one cast, easily more than five minutes. By the time this fish, its nose is on the tail of my bait. And the whole time, I can't keep my, my boy quiet because he's like, getting so excited because he's never seen anything like this. He's like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, dude, it's coming. It's coming. And I'm like, dude, shut up. Like just chill. <laughs> and so when it got it, and this is when I knew when they put their butt up in the air and if their tail starts coming up and when it's shallow, their tail will come out of the water. Uh -huh. They're going to eat. They are going to eat. And I looked at him. <laughs> I'm getting chills right now. And I said, get the net. As soon as I lift it off the bottom, she's going to eat it. Now I had lifted it once. It was shimmies. It was just moving sand on the bottom. So he runs to grab the net up, up the shoreline. Cause we were casting further away. And you guys, we were in a river, a stretch of the river that had three islands. 
So the river was broken into four channels, okay? And this fish is in number two. So there's one behind me, this number two. There's two more past islands, and they're right in a row. Boom, 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 okay? And this is like this stretch of the river. It's like Freddy Krueger and Edward Scissorhands made an obstacle course, okay? It's, it's down timber and branches, and it's like two foot of water. It's like you are going to break your line on a three-pound bass if you don't catch it right away, okay? And so he gets the net and he's running back towards me. And I, I just do a little lift, not a hard jig, just a lift to get it off the bottom. And this thing just freaking creams my jig. I set the hook and I tell him, cause I knew right away on 10 pound line, I'm not going to horse this fish. I tell him run and get ahead of it. And I am in my waders off to the races in the river. And this fish shoots up the one channel flying by down timber, down trees, branches, he goes around the end of the island and then he shoots back into the next channel. Okay. So I'm trying to keep up. So my line doesn't get caught on the corner of this island in trees and branches. And he is running over the islands to get ahead of it. And I said, she'll come to you. Just get the net in the water and you got to let her swim into it because she's got, she's, she's going to have her way with me. I cannot force it. So you guys, I'm running up and down these channels chasing this fish trying not to get broken off and my buddy is falling and biffing and tripping in the woods hopping over these islands and he's trying to get and they're small islands but they're land masses and he's and dude i come around the corner and she's just peeling line and he jumps in and kind of falls but he sees her and he just sticks the net and he just hits the bottom and the fish goes right into the net and he lifts and i'm like dude we got her we got her and i get up to him and he goes, how big is she? She's nice. And I said, she's probably 42. He goes, no, I think she's bigger. I think she's bigger. We bump her. She's 42 on the dot. And he throws the net and he throws his hands up in the air. This is what happened. And he walks away. He says, dude, you're freaking ridiculous. I don't even understand what I just saw. What the heck just happened? <laughs> so I'm telling you, I've got more stories just like this. Not that intense, but from bridges, me jumping down 20 feet of boulders on a walleye rod. I'm telling you. If you are willing to get creative mm-hmm. and if you're patient, if you're patient and if you give small lures time, not just casting them, but work your baits much slower, these big fat fall muskies that are picky and finicky and they're acting retarded or, or they're just pressured because my waters, they are pressured. They're smart. Get creative, go really small. I guarantee you, you will catch more muskies and you'll get nice size fish without question. But one of the big things you said, you about like having a plan, like when you hooked that fish, you knew your buddy had to be in a certain spot. Like you said, even earlier, like you just, you need a plan. And that's like a big thing for me too, bank fishing. Like when you walk up to a spot, you're like, okay, if I hook one here, where am I going to net him? Where am I going to unhook it? Like, where am I going to leave my tools? Where's my net going to be? Like all of that. Like if you're bank fishing, like in a boat, it doesn't really matter. Like your net's there, your tools are there, but on the bank especially if you're alone, like you had, at least you had your friend to go get that net. But if you had hooked that fish without your friend, like you'd have been screwed. Yeah. So for, like it, it's, 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 there's so much planning for me. Like it, it's just, if there've been times where I get to a spot and I'm like, Oh, I bet I could catch a muskie here, but there's nowhere for me to land it. So I'm not going to fish that spot. Yeah. Yeah. I probably guess. I would confidently say more than 60% of my muskies lifetime. I solo netted. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of them from shore and you're everything you're saying is spot on and it, it's true. And like when you're, especially on a river, if you're bank fishing, mm-hmm. you have to put the current into play and, mm-hmm. and calm waters back at ease because that current, man, the current is half the battle. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you're already fighting a fish that's going nuts, especially if it's a bigger one. When you guys see the episode I'll put out of the fish I caught yesterday, which is going to take me a while, but I was on a wall. The current was screaming. My buddy's little riverboat was parked in the water, floating on an anchor. I had to run, jump into the boat, run in this little boat, which is not stable, run to the back of the boat, grab his net and get it undone all while this fish is going nuts in the current. And like I say in the video, this is going to suck. This is going to be hard, something like that because of the current. But that's why planning ahead is so, because I'm telling you right now, I learned the hard way. I lost a lot of fish my first two years musky fishing from shore because I didn't think ahead. I didn't have a plan. And, and one other big piece of advice I would give to anybody, musky fishing in general, even in a boat, but especially from shore, because of all the things we're talking about, all these components and factors, you know, it's like a dang obstacle course trying to catch them from, mm. from shore sometimes. The third thing I would say is be patient in landing the fish. The majority of the fish I lost river fishing from shore my first two years is because I tried to horse them into the net. I'm telling you, you are fighting the, the slippery boulders. You're fighting the current. You're fighting an angry fish. When you force it, the hooks will pop free. Or what happens is you force that fish into a brush pile. You force mm-hmm. that fish into boulders or you force the hooks onto the rim of your net and it gets off. That was one of the greatest lessons I find at literally you guys, I probably lost over 10 muskies rushing it. And, and you can hear in, in a series I did two years ago, I think it, it's called musky heartbreak and redemption. I had a day where I lost two giants and I caught a dink and I went back cause I was so mad and I had almost my best day of my life. I caught four muskies in an hour between 40 to 47 inches. And when I hooked the big one and, w- and they all got bigger, I hooked like a 41, then I got a 42, then I got like a 44. And then the last one, it was a cold front rain in. The last one was like a 47. You can hear me whispering to myself and I'm hopping boulders trying to land this giant. And you can hear me saying something like, don't force it, Jeff. Don't force it, Jeff. I'm coaching myself because years ago I learned the hard way. And I realized if I have sharp hooks and I set the hook, my gear will do its job. I need to do my job. And if they get off, they get off. It's musky fishing. Sometimes they just get off. But I lost so many fish because I rushed them into the net. And I'm telling you, dude, be confident, be calm. People always ask me, why are you so freaking calm and quiet when you have a musky hook? And I'm like, because when you hit the panic button, you lose fish. And so confidence, confidence goes a long way. And just telling yourself, look, my hooks are sharp. I got it to bite. I set into it. I'm doing everything right. Stay calm, seal the deal. And so Mm -hmm. I think if you slow down, especially in current, you'll land more fish, believe it or not, you will. I agree there. Yeah, that's great advice, man. Mm -hmm. We have any other questions for Jeff? Any other, uh, anything else bank yanking wise? I think we'll do a whole nother two hours on bank yanking probably. We might have to have him back on for an official bank yanking. Anytime. V2. Well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, gonna, go ahead, Donnie. It's been pretty quiet. You got any questions over there, Nick, from the from the north? Not a lot. I'm just sitting back learning. I'm a terrible bank anchor, so <laughs> caught a grand total of two from shore. 
Husky jerks. He's trying to learn, man. <laughs> One thing I like that you said, Jeff, about not rushing them into the net when you're bank fishing. Like for me, I'm fishing a lot of those places where you said it's all, it's more like a creek than it is a river. Like it gets really shallow. I mean, like I've caught them, like you said, you catch them in a couple feet of water. I've caught them in like ankle deep water. Yep. The th- yep. thing when you're thing when you're fighting a fish in that water, I don't know how you'd explain like the science of it, but like if I if I gave Ryan Reed like a jet ski handle, I could pull him right across the water. No problem. 200 pounds. I could drag him across the water. But as soon as his feet like touch the ground, yeah. you feel the weight. You know what I mean? So you got this big 20 pound fish. You're, you're bringing it in and whatever all's well. And then you get that fish into shallow water where its belly touches the bottom and suddenly things change. That's when you're pulling hooks. That's when you're busting gear. Like when that yeah. fish makes contact with like the brush or the bottom or the rocks, whatever. So like it's it's a matter of not necessarily rushing that fish into the bank, but getting it somewhere you can net it. Like your yep. instinct is to drag that fish up onto the bank, but that's not always what you want to do. You kind of want to keep it out there a little bit so you can yep. get a no, you're, on it. Dude, you're a hundred percent right. And it is science and, and gravity is not yeah. your friend in shallow water because yeah. it's just like, have you guys ever seen those challenges where people try to lift somebody with their under their armpits mm-hmm. and if they keep their weight, if they lean themselves into the ground, you can't lift them, even mm-hmm. like some small chick, you know, and it sounds funny, but have you ever seen on the rivers? I, this happened to me yesterday. This current is screaming. And I said this to my buddy and unfortunately <laughs> I didn't have my head cam because I was an hour late and I regret it because this fish yesterday was hands down the best figure eight catch of my life. It went around four times. It was in screaming current. And the remark I made to him was it's incredible that in this screaming current, these fish, they're using every inch of their body and every muscle. This fish was tracking my bait without losing it. And I'm talking fast, like whitewater rapids current. And it was like it was in flat, calm lake water. It was not losing its bearings. It was turning on a dime, chasing, turning, turning. It, tra- it had the ability to balance itself out in that current and do exactly what it wanted. And you'll see when they're on the bottom, you look when the current's flying and you can kind of see one. You're like, how do they just sit in this current? They are most definitely, I don't know how to describe it, but they are gripping the bottom. Just like we lean into the ground with our feet when we're standing on solid ground to hold Mm -hmm. ourselves down. They are holding down, gripping down, whatever. I don't know what the scientific term is, but they're using gravity for leverage. And so to your point, dude, when they, I hate it when they go shallow. I try to work them into a deeper pool mm-hmm. at them because they're they're kind of floating, and I have the advantage. Yep. But when they're in a foot of water or even two foot, dude, they are going to have their way with you, yep. and they're going to be pulling and pulling and digging and digging like a dang carp. And so you're, dude, you're you're spot on. It is science. It really yep. is. It's gravity and it's leverage. And if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to cost you a fish. It yep. will. I've lost a I lot. Actually, I have kind of a, 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 a dummy question here as a non-bank yanker uh, to what you guys are talking about right now. Like, obviously, when I net a fish in a boat, there's I'm always over at least somewhat deeper water that I'm able to dunk my net, bring, bring said fish into the net. Mm-hmm. Uh when you guys are looking for spots, as you said, you're talking about making a plan for landing fish and everything. When you're looking for these spots to land a fish or, or where you're going to land a fish on your shore fishing spots, is that what you're looking for? Like, 
somewhere where maybe the bank's a little bit deeper with a little bit of a drop so Definitely. that you can get your your net in. I mean, that that would make sense to me, but uh, I I had never really thought yeah. about it till right now. I guess. Yeah, Tom kind of he said something earlier about like if you physically know you're incapable of actually like without hurting yourself or dying or drowning. You, you, you don't go. You're just like, there might be fish there, but it's physically impossible. So that's one end of it. The other side of it though, is it's, it's easier to find safe, um, you know, areas on the bank that will increase your chances of landing a fish. It's easier than most people realize. Okay. And at the end of the day, you have to go where the fish are to, to an extent, if it's not safe and you can't get there, that's one thing. But at the end of the day, it's like, I came all the way here to catch a muskie today. If they're over there on that drop off on that ledge, if they're hanging in this current seam, whatever it is on this bay, you got to fish it. Why did you come? So there's a balance of, I got to cast there. I got to fish there. I know they're over here. I know they, 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 they typically hang out in this area, but that's when you, the planning comes into play and you start staging. So, you know, how far can I get away with the cast from here? Can I work it to where I'm at? Or do I got to work it upstream or downstream? But ultimately, all you really need, and dude, you don't need much. You, I mean, think about a musky net. Even these ones, these big kahunas, the ones that are really big, it is still relatively a small space that a 55-inch fish can live in if it needs to for a little while, okay? So you, you, you have to, don't limit yourself, and you have to realize if there is a dip of three to four feet of water right here, and it's relatively calm or it's a back eddy, this is enough room for me to get the job done. What's funny though, is it's, it's amazing how many things you're juggling at once bake bank fishing, especially in current. And not that it's always current, but that, that just ups the ante, but you're juggling all the time, all these factors in your mind. And you're also trying to say, I don't want to bang this fish on some boulders on some sharp boulders. I don't want to drag this fish on some gravel, you know? So it's, it's a lot to take in and to process but at the same time, I would still say, if you just spend five minutes, don't be so eager to get your bait wet and to mm -hmm. try to catch a fish. Take five minutes. If you know the general area that you're casting or the hole you're going to be working, take five minutes for the fish's sake and for your safety's sake and walk around and just say, you know what? That little hole right there off of that sandbank is deep enough. I'm going to lay my net there. Way. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And literally, no, like Tom, that's a good point. Sometimes guys will come up, my buddies, if they meet up with me and I'm fishing a certain area, like I'm fishing, I'll be in the water. Maybe I'll get in like ankle deep on like a little shelf or like a, like a little Island. And my net is like 40 yards behind me mm -hmm. somewhere else. And they're like, dude, you left your net. And I'm like, no, I, that's I'm where I'm landing them. Yeah. You're gonna yep. watch it there, yep. You know? So it, it's, it's, anybody can do it. To be honest, anybody can do it. Make sure you have the right tools, a good net, pliers, cut, hook, hook cutters, the whole nine yards. Make sure you're prepared to keep that fish safe and healthy. But again, we've been, me and Tom, been talking about it from the start. Map it out. Stage it. Come up with a strategy. And the funny thing is, if you go and do this one time and you take this advice and you catch a fish, you're not going to forget it. And mm -hmm. from there on out, every time you go bank fishing, you're going to get more and more specific, more organized you're going to get better at it. And then it's yep. now like Tom will tell you it's clockwork. I don't even think about it anymore. I, I yeah. can get to a spot and in 15 seconds, even if I've never fished this area or this river, I'm telling you, I can get to a spot and in 15 seconds, I just scan it, you know, like the Terminator or something. And I'm like, dur, 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 you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's where I'm going. We're good. Yep. You know, it's just, you got to get out and do it. 
Yeah, and like you said, you don't need much. Like, I mean, you, if you can get in, you don't have to go. Like, if you're, you're unhooking a fish, you don't have to go waist deep to unhook that fish. No. If you can get even in the water up to your shins, that's going to help. Yeah. Just get in there, straddle the net, your shin deep. Fish is comfortable. You're comfortable. You're not going to drown. It's It won't kill you to get a little bit wet if you do, yeah. do put one in the bag bank fishing. Now, I'm not saying go diving in the water behind, like, a raging spillway, but if you're just no. fishing a little river or creek, hop in. You're not – it's a little water. It won't hurt you. Yeah. You went in yeah. in the winter, and you look like you're fine, Jeff. Yeah. I, I think dude, you had to I, get a I, foot I, amputated. I can't tell you how many – dude, December is one of my favorite times of year to fish because the fish are fat, and uh, there's almost nobody fishing anymore. The pressure yep. disappears it really does. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's cold, but it's beautiful weather. It's usually really calm. You know, you got snow on the ground. Sometimes it's, I've caught, I've got an episode from like two seasons ago, December, it was snowing and it was snow on the trees, snow on the ground. I called it like snow muskies or something, but, but yeah, I mean, I have waders, I have insulated waders. I have, I have ones that are not, I, if I wear my, if I want more movement and more mobility, cause the insulated ones will kick your butt. You get tired quicker. You sweat, mm. like you, you're not as mobile. Okay. And that can hurt you. That can be unsafe. So even when I wear my ones that are not insulated, I just bundle up underneath. But dude, I, I mean, when I caught my 52 and a quarter, now that was in November, but it was 35 degrees. And, uh, when I, that fish, that's crazy story. I was up on a 20 foot wall and a kid I was mentoring through my job. It was like a big brother, big sister job. I used to have this job for eight years where I mentored troubled boys in the County system. And this kid was 13 years old. He had never seen a muskie, never caught a muskie. I had no choice. I was 20 feet up. My net was 20 feet down on these boulders. And this kid did the best net job I've ever seen in my life on the biggest fish of my life. But when we, when we released it, I let it go. And I was, I was like thigh deep in the river because I really wanted to take care of her because she was just a mega, you know, and I was, my adrenaline was so high. That water was probably 34 degrees, but I didn't even feel it, but I was in about thigh deep and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And when I turned around, she had, her gill rakers had got me really good and I was bleeding pretty bad. Like there was a trickle of blood going down my hand and I turned around and I'm going to get out of the water and there's a park ranger. It was a state park. There's this park ranger coming down and he's like running. Are you okay? Cause he sees the guy in November in the middle of the river. Bleeding. bleeding. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, Oh, I'm fine. I'm like, I just let go a giant muskie. And it, it was funny, but then he wanted pictures and they put it in the ranger station and it was, it was a cool deal. That's but yeah, awesome. I mean, if you're safe um, and if you're prepared you know, don't do anything stupid. Like I'm big on safety, dude. Like I got three kids. Like I am not going in a river, a dangerous river over a fish. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing it, you know, but you, I think people don't bank fish, especially on rivers because they're in number one. I think they're intimidated, mm -hmm. but number two, I don't think they realize the opportunities that are there. Yep. I think they're shortchanging the possibilities, you know, but it's not that hard. Um, you don't need a boat. You know, it, you can do it quickly. My best yep. days, my, my three best days of my life muskie fishing, I caught five in an hour and a half because I had to get to a meeting. That day I caught four and I got the giant and in an, my hour lunch break at work. And then another day, I, two days after that, I went four for six on my lunch break. And so if you know where to go when, mm -hmm. if you know where to go when, and you can figure out what they want, because if it's pressured water, it's tricky. But if you figure out when they're there, what holes they're in, if they're downriver, if they're at a dam, whatever, you got, you got to put in some legwork. But when you start to pattern where they're at when, 
And then you can start to key in on the type of baits. Do they like the smaller stuff? Do they want faster? Do they want bigger? Time of year obviously matters. But the truth is, you guys, it's not that hard. And, and you can get on some fun musky fishing numbers and sizes. I mean, I got my P I've been, I've been to Minnesota for a decade. I've been to Lake St. Clair. I've been to Illinois. I've been to Tennessee. My biggest fish of my life is in my, my freaking backyard. And it was a mega short fishing doing what I do, you know? So I think people, uh, guys, if they, if, if they're willing to put in a little work, it'll reward them from the bank. It will. Yeah. Like you said, it's, 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 it's honestly, for me, it's no different than fishing from a boat. I mean, when you hop in your boat, where are you going? You're, you're going to, you're going to play that like mental game of what's the water temperature, where would they be yeah. right now? And bank fishing is the same deal. Say you have five bank spots, water's, water's high and it's hot out. So you're picking the bank spot where those fish are most likely to be. You're going there, you're saving time. Like I always tell Owen, Owen's probably the most busy out of any of us. He's doing the dad thing like you are. I'm like, if you want to hop out and go bank fishing, you throw a rod in the car, pick a couple baits and go. You don't have to pull the boat up. You don't have to launch the boat, fire the boat up, drive to your spot like you're cutting time out. I cannot tell you how many lunch break muskies yeah. I've caught in my life. Yeah. I almost didn't go back to work, but you got to pay the bill. <laughs> yep. And it's just another tool in the arsenal. I mean, it's just if you can figure out the seasonality, the weather and stuff, it's, it's no different yeah. than when you hop in the boat to go pick a spot. You're just picking your best bank I spot. I will add though, and I know I said this when we started, but one thing I, I think people underestimate again, river muskies are, are more friendly. They, they, yeah. they are willing to participate. Mm -hmm. They, I don't, it's just there. And it's not, and it's not like they're dumb. River muskies are just aggressive and they're, I always joke. I'm like, you know, sometimes you got, you got lakes, like the great lakes fish are the heaviest, most built, beautiful fish I've ever seen. You've got Northern Minnesota's that way. Canadian muskies are that way. But a lot of inland muskies you see sometimes are these, like, I always say they look like uh, a has-been high school lineman that's, you know, 50 years old and he's got a big old beer belly and he's got chicken legs. A lot of the muskies on inland waters look that way. And I don't care. I'll take that all day, you know. But river muskies, 90 plus percent of the time, they're all built like a defensive end pass rusher in his prime. They just, you know, you get some that are deformed or some that are injured, et cetera. Mm -hmm but they're always just, they're, they're not fat and sloppy, but they're like almost like a bodybuilder. They're just yeah. all the way to the tail because of that current. And they, they're meta they have to keep eating. Like mm -hmm. they have to keep working to keep living in that environment. Yep. And so I, I think people underestimate getting bites. That's what I tell guys. I've been to lakes. I've had days on the mat chain where I've had 20 plus follows and only one bit and it like nipped. You go to the river, you might only see three, but they're, they're probably eating. all, they're going to suicide your bait. Probably yeah. at least one of them is going to just inhale it. Um, I'm always banking on when I'm banking, no pun intended, <laughs> but I'm always banking on getting bit. And mm. if you ask a musclinger, that's half the battle. I mean, getting follows is fun, but you get enough follows, you start losing your mind. Yeah. And so I, I would encourage guys to try it. Because you will find more aggressive, friendly fish compared to overall, in a general sense, compared to lake fish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would agree with that 100%. I mean, you, and you, I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier, too, but it's, uh, it, you know, those river fish, they just don't seem to be as affected by fronts and, and things like that as by water. The lake it doesn't phase them. Yeah. Uh, it's just 
they, they definitely have more of a opportunistic feeding patterns yes. and then you say your lake fish i i i've so, seen that as sure yep so so just real quick to add to that so my pb my 52 and a quarter cold front it was like 35 degrees flat calm no wind clear skies like death to musky fishing okay got my biggest fish of my life that day that i caught those three and 30 minutes i told you about on that uh go small in the fall series when you watch it, you'll tell it was absolutely flat, calm, clear skies, high pressure. Again, usually that's tough, musky fishing. But what you just said, Donnie, with with river, you know, and lake fish are somewhat similar. If they haven't eaten in three or four days, they got to eat sometime. Right. right. But it, it just seems like river muskies don't take as long of breaks between their feeding windows. And so. It doesn't matter, you know, my, my four fish day with the giant, with the 47, mega cold front, miserable fishing conditions. I, in the video, I'm like, this is trash, but I got to go and try because I was mad that I lost the giant a couple of days prior. But when, when river muskies have to eat, that trumps everything. It's just like, you could have the worst weather. You could even think these, these water temps are garbage. This is not good water temp for this time of year. It's too cold. It's a little warmer than usual, whatever. Dude, you will never know. You, you know the saying, you never know unless you go. But with river fish, don't let the weather deter you from going at all or where you go. Because if it's on a river and if there is any current, you guys, there's probably an aggressive hungry muskie in there somewhere. I, it's just, I've done it long enough. I'm telling you, dude, it's just it's kind of stupid. It's kind of like, again, it makes it a little easier in my opinion. Um, bank fishing, netting solo is not easy. Okay. I would, I would add that caveat. This is not easy. That's why not everybody does it. But if you want to increase your chances of getting bit river fish will do it, man. They'll commit. They really will. So. Sounds like I need to spend more time on the river, but you know, I've been telling you that for a long time. This is, uh, you know, like Jeff, I heard you say about December. I mean, December is my creek time. You know, that's when uh, that's when I've had my most success doing this thing from the bank. So December, January, February. But I do I do have a little I have a, I have a special place for for December. I got a game plan ready to go. And Ryan takes a page out of your book. He's into the little husky jerk. He, he busts out the ugly stick and the husky jerk and gets to work. It's been, it's, it's been good. I've had some good days, but all right. What else do we have? Anything else? We're we about could go to go on until tomorrow night about we bank fishing. But... We didn't even get, I wanted to try to get into some technical questions, but man, if we're two and a half hours into this one, I don't know. <laughs> you you invited, you invited the wrong guest to have a short podcast. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. This is this is go this is gold. This has been great, man. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Anyway, I'd say that I feel like we've got a lot of good information. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, so I think uh, I appreciate you guys. I've enjoyed it a lot. Good, good. We're glad. uh, Thanks again for coming on. So uh, one one last question for you, though, while we kind of wrap this thing up, where uh, where can where can people find you at? We got uh, YouTube. We got what? Where else we got? Yep. So my YouTube channel is just keep casting just straight through no spaces, all lowercase. It's just those three words together. Just keep casting is my YouTube channel. And then um, 
I do have a Facebook. I don't, I'm a little behind. I don't update as, as frequently as I do on my other two platforms, but I do respond to my messages on Facebook. So I have a Facebook page. Uh, it's just keep casting. The actual URL I think is just keep casting to FTF, which is to find the fish. That's what that stands for. And then my Instagram is the same. Uh, if you search, just keep casting. I usually come up right away, but um, if you want to make sure it's me, just do at just keep casting to FTF. Again, that stands for to find the fish. Um, but those are my three primary platforms, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and Facebook. I am more active on Instagram. I always respond to messages. Um, I try to upload once a week on my channel. I usually do. Um, I'm with, uh, I was fortunate. I was blessed. I never, ever in a million years thought this would happen, but I got picked up by Okuma last year. Um, and so I'm with Okuma and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, I, the amount of, uh, gear through their partner companies, uh, fish lab, which is lures and then uh, soft steel, which is fishing line. Um, and I'm not, I mean, dude, obviously they sponsored me, but dude, like I have been impressed. I was never an Okuma guy. I never used it. I never used any of the fish lab products. I never used any of the soft steel line. Um, and that's what I've been using all year since last November. And, uh, it's been a cool, it's been a cool opportunity. I never thought in a million years I'd get picked up by a big company like that. And uh, they actually, ironically enough, they saw a musky battle video and they, they liked it and they called me. So, um, yeah. And then my other sponsor is, uh, Mike Conklin from Conklin Lures and he, he makes everything he makes, uh, you know, he makes bucktails, he makes topwater flap tails and all that stuff, but his niche, his go-to is gliders. And I'm a big glider guy and, uh, he's making some legit quality lures. They look great. They catch fish. You can watch my videos. I've caught fish, lakes, rivers, different States on his gliders called the glitch. And um, the best thing about it is they're affordable. All of his lures are anywhere between like $25 to like $35, all of them. So check out Conklin Lures too. He's legit. Yep. Awesome. awesome. I fished with uh, Mike at the battle and uh, he let he let me uh, throw one of his glitches around. If I ever do finish my video, which it is coming, Jeff, I promise. It's <laughs> slowly but surely I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, editing away, but... Uh, I did have uh, I had a fish blow up on uh, on the Conklin glider when uh, out in Minnesota too. So I could say they definitely do work. That one didn't get hooks in it, but uh, I'm actually uh, I was talking to Mike about ordering a few over this off season. So I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a couple of those glitches and yep. fishing them. He's a, more he's a great guy too. Yeah, Mike. Mike is a great guy. I got like I said, I got to fish with him in Minnesota, obviously, and we had a lot of fun and a lot of laughs. Uh, and uh, he definitely makes some nice baits. So, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna close this one out. So we'll we'll start with uh, we'll say thanks to Big O's Bucktails, thanks to Pennsylvania Monsters on Instagram, thanks to Swink Outdoors, and thanks to Larissa up there in the Great White North with with Nicholas. <laughs> so Jeff, thank you very much, man, for coming on. I think uh, I think all of us had a blast tonight. It was it was awesome listening to you and yeah. for all the information. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Know, you. I appreciate it. Yep, I hope it helped and thank you guys. Really, it was uh, it was a blessing. So uh, get on that bank and start yanking, boys. Yep. To see if yep. I can put put some of your tips to work here. Get get some over the winter. Hey, anytime. If you want to shoot me a, a question, tips, whatever, hit me on Instagram, whatever, you guys. I'm glad to help if I can. Thank you. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks, guys. Hope everybody has a good night. Yeah, Thanks, later, Jeff. guys. Yep.
Yep. Jeff, thanks, man. We'll talk soon. I appreciate it. For sure, bro. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. 